Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Thursday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan Lavoy, the host of this fine program. Today I've got T.P. Hammock and Brooks Childress with me as we have a lot more football to talk about here this afternoon. Today is Thursday, and on Thursdays we typically lean a little bit more NFL, so we'll have some NFL picks coming up for the week ahead. We'll look towards week two after looking back at week one, so that's going to come up a little bit later, and that will also be involved with our Sports Call 5 at 5, which is presented by Southeastern Land Group. Coming up, though, in just a few minutes at 3.30, we're going to have Chandler Smith on the program. He is a NASCAR Xfinity Series driver for Colleague Racing, and they start their playoffs this weekend in Bristol. So we'll talk to him at 3.30 about his first full-time season in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, how it's been like for him at Colleague Racing and that sort of thing. So that's coming up here in just a few minutes. Of course, we'll take all your phone calls today on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9 are the numbers to reach us. And, of course, we'll have a little bit more on Auburn football as they get set for their date with Sanford inside of Jordan-Hare Stadium on Saturday night. Ryan Brooks and TP with you here on this Thursday afternoon. Start with you, TP. How are you this afternoon? I'm doing really well. I just got done with my classes for the day and able to come on here, talk some football, especially some NFL football, but all football is great football. Uh, just happy that it's back. Uh, we got the Thursday night game today, uh, tonight, which should be really interesting. But yeah, it's... Um, it's really fun. I love whenever football season starts getting to roll, and eventually we'll get to the point where we have football almost every single night, and that is, that's my favorite time of year is whenever the weather starts getting a little bit colder, and it everyone, like I said, though, there's football every single day whenever we get to that point. That'll be my happiest time, but I'm very happy just to have football back and excited to talk to all of our callers that we have today and getting ready for this great show. Absolutely, and uh, Brooks Childress, of course, you and TP were out there uh, last night for the high school coaches show. Uh, it sounded like a good time out at the Enzone Bar Grill. Thank you for doing that. Good to see you again here this afternoon. Yeah, we had a great time last night. I uh, got to talk to a lot of the area high school coaches. Another big week of region play coming up around uh, East Alabama. I think the common theme last night is everybody's on the road this week. Uh, Two third, either you're you're off already or you're you're on the road. So, uh, not a lot of games around the area, but you got a couple big games. Uh, here in in the region or in in this uh, in Lee County and in our listening area to to take in and so I highly recommend if you haven't made plans yet for Friday night uh, before this Auburn Sanford game uh, go out and check out a high school game somewhere around here it, it's it's a lot of fun support the local you know high schools local communities and uh, and watch some really good football but other than that 
great week, uh, great Thursday. Uh, been busy today around the office, but uh, glad to be able to talk some football. Glad to be able to talk some uh, some NASCAR. We don't get to talk about NASCAR a lot uh, in, in the the latter parts of the year, uh, mainly because football <laughs> dominates our lives. But can't wait to talk a little bit about that and uh, uh, the Braves. You know, uh, we uh, Braves clinched the NL East last night officially over the Philadelphia Phillies, the New York Mets, the Miami Marlins, and the, the other team, there's another team in the division that sometimes plays baseball, but I don't, they, they didn't really this year, uh, but they're in the nation's capital. So it's uh, the, the Braves' six straight uh, division crowns, and it, it's it's great. Now you set your sights on um, that uh, that elusive one seed, the, the overall one seed, and then, you know, really the, uh, the overall record, too, because if you get to that World Series and you've got the overall best record, it's uh, you you get to host uh, the you get home field advantage for the World Series. I think they are four four and four or four and a half games up on the Orioles and Major League Baseball for um, for the best record all of baseball up uh, on the Dodgers as well uh, in for the best record in the National League. So uh, yeah, it's it's gonna it it it's a great time of year. You get ba- really meaningful baseball. You're getting out of that. You know everybody loves baseball and you know. April and May, you get this right when you get the season started, and you get into the summer, and it starts to uh, it, it starts to you know get get a little monotonous, and then this is the time of year you start to really ramp things back up, paying attention to baseball, football's back. So can't wait to talk about all that. Can't wait to talk to all of our callers as well. Yeah, three three four eight eight seven three four zero one locally or toll free one triple eight nine Tiger nine. If you want to call us this afternoon, and you're right, uh, the Braves with. A sixth straight division title last night. I know we've been talking less about them in the last couple of weeks because of the return of all forms of football. But, uh, of course, we are the proud affiliate of the Atlanta Braves here in East Alabama on 1230 WAUDAM. WAUDAM. And and so I I think that we should mention that for just a a little bit here because, um, again, we are in like golden age part two of Atlanta Braves baseball. We all yeah. thought that maybe it was going to conclude there after the, the Maddox, Glavin, and Smoltz run of the 90s and early 2000s. Uh, Braves spent some time kind of rejuvenating, rebuilding a little bit, had some playoff teams, but now in the midst now of another division streak, uh, a streak that uh, they have won in all types of ways because they've had to come from behind in years past with like the Mets last year. They've had a shortened season that you had to be good in a sprint type of format uh, instead of the the traditional 162, uh, and and so and now uh, even with payrolls bigger than theirs, which is not uncommon, but the Mets having the biggest payroll in baseball, not even coming close to the Braves this year. And as you alluded to, not only are they the best in the East, they are the best in baseball. They are. Seven and a half clear of the Dodgers. The Do- I'll go ahead and break the news. Dodgers will not catch them. The Braves will be the number one seed in the National League. Uh, and they are four and a half clear of Baltimore, who has a very pivotal series with Tampa Bay uh, starting tonight, which might decide the AL East. The, the Orioles actually only lead that division by two games. I think people have kind of forgotten Tampa's existed, but they've kind of been hanging in there. And now they have a, a, a chance, if they can win that series, to still win the division. So, anyway, it's looking like the Braves will be the number one record in baseball. They're going to hit 100 wins here probably sometime early next week. And they have been uh, incredible now for this extended stretch of time. And the great news is there's only a couple players that won't be a part of this for too much longer. 
that you're looking at all these long-term contracts as we bring up from time to time the age of these players that Acuna and all these guys like that, uh, Michael Harris, Spencer Strider, still have more of their career to go, uh, injuries hopefully aside, have more of their career remaining than they've completed thus far. Uh, and then you've got guys right in the middle of it like Matt Olson and Austin Riley, uh, Max Freed that are right in the middle of their primes right now. Uh, again, you're only looking at guys like Charlie Morton who are is about the end of the line and maybe guys like Ozuna and Rosario who are in their early to mid-30s that might maybe only have a couple more years. But there's no reason this thing can't continue on uh, for another long period of time. Um, there are some issues on this team, but there's issues on every team. And again, the Braves have been the best team in baseball. They've won all the big series here uh, over the last few months. They've won that Dodgers series. They won this Philly series. Uh, they they have continued to be at their best when they needed to. It, it's tough to see what someone else does well that would be conducive to being able to beat the Braves, honestly, because the Dodgers now have had some issues, uh, not of their own volition uh, because of injuries and because of Julio Urias in another domestic assault case, which is probably going to uh, not allow him to pitch again this year. So he's out. Kershaw's not healthy and still trying to hang in there. Uh, and, and so their pitching is is getting to be a little bit more problematic. The Phillies' bats are, have been really good for two months, and well, they were good in this series, yet they still only took one out of four against Atlanta in Citizens Bank Ballpark. So that didn't go incredibly well. You look at the Brewers. The Brewers are a solid team, but they don't really have this uh, innate amount of talent to be able to out-talent teams and – that's a team that the Braves have had success with in the postseason as of late. So you're not overly worried about that. Chicago's been warm. Chicago's been a pretty quality team as of late. They have a good pitcher in Justin Steele who's vying for the Cy Young Award. So he's in that discussion. Uh, but, you know, they've got Bellinger. They've got a couple in half, a couple good bats. But, again, they're still a team that's only uh, seven or eight over 500, I believe. So ultimately, you're looking at this thing, and there's no reason the Braves shouldn't be in the World Series. Now, here's the here's the the reason it it uh, unfortunately doesn't always go according to plan. Incredibly small sample sizes, three out of fives and four out of sevens, when you're used to playing 162 game regular seasons. So uh, we understand teams can get hot, and certainly the Braves when they did win the title were a team that got hot. They were not classified as one of the best teams in baseball. They were a team that classified as getting incredibly hot at the right time. But I guess all of it to say is I, the emphasis is absolutely on them to try to win the title this year. But the good news is, is this is not a this is your last chance to do this there's going to, in theory, be a lot of these chances over the next five to ten years. And you're never promised anything, but the Braves are about as sure of a bet as it gets to be good for another long period of time. Uh, so that being said, I mean, I kind of went through a lot of the 
these skinny topics of it. Is there anything that worries you about them trying to win the World Series this year? Is there any part of their team that gives you any pause and say if they lose, it might be because of blank? Pitching injuries, I would say. I, I think the bats are there. I, I think because uh, I think that's what it. You know, you hit the middle of the year and you had Max Fried and Kyle Wright were uh, the two guys that were out for a little bit, and it was uh, you know you, the bats never no, stopped uh, producing. They they were producing on a you know a, a good level all year long. But it, that's what kind of lost you some of these games is the lack of starting pitching. You were trying to find, uh, a f- you know, filling guys. You were moving around. You were dry, you know, it, it felt like we were talking about uh, this player has been brought up from AAA today. Oh, they got to start now. They send them back down to AAA the next day. And so uh, I think if, if as long as pitching stays healthy, I think that would be the biggest thing is is if if, if you get an injury or something to, to some of your starting pitchers here down the stretch. And, you know, I, I think the bullpen is fine. I think the bullpen uh, has done good work all year, especially some of the pieces they added around the trade deadline have, have really helped. Um, and I think that now that you've got the division – and once you can, you know, you're still playing for that one seat, obviously, and you're still playing for that that number one overall record in baseball. But I think you may start to see the starters go a little bit shorter here down the stretch uh, these last few weeks where they're, you know, you're trying to save their arms a little bit and try not to put them in positions where they could overextend themselves and get hurt uh, and, and let the let the bullpens uh, let, let the bullpens do a little bit more work here down the stretch. Because you've won the division, like you said, it, it's there's a chance. But it's not a big chance the Dodgers catch you. Your biggest threat or your biggest uh, battle right now is that that big that number one overall seed uh, in in baseball for the or the the number one record in baseball, I should say, to to host if you were to get to the World Series. But the thing is, you could get that number one record. You still have to win couple series to get to that world series and so it'd be nice to be able to to have that number one record but you you still have to win a couple couple series before you can make that any useful yeah it's funny that we're talking about this now but do y'all remember back in june whenever the braves dropped a series to the athletics and people were sounding the alarms that it was all over and that this (laughs) was not the team that we thought they were and look at what they've done since then. They were considered one of the – I mean, they are the best team in baseball right now. And, I mean, they're they're on base. I mean, they're, they're challenging that home run record. But if anything is to slow down the Braves, like Brooks said, it will be the pitching. It will not be the hitting. The hitting has been there all year long. Okay, Ronald Acuna, Matt Olson, Marcelo, Marcelo Zuna – all a uh, shot Murphy, all those bats are going to get you production uh, on a good day. They, they may have one bad game, but that happens once every maybe month and a half, two months. So I, I think it will come down to pitching. And the second thing I think it will come down to is just how the usually how the MLB playoffs work is unless they face just a team that's on fire. That's what happened with the Phillies last year. They were they caught fire and they beat the Braves and they beat the Padres to go on to the World Series and they fell in the World Series. But I think it's more or less it's definitely going to be the pitching but more or less avoiding that super hot team I don't know who that super hot team is going to be coming in I don't think they even know it usually starts around this time whenever you see teams go on like a 13 to 3 uh, 13 wins to 3 losses stretch where they just they don't they're just really really you know they're just finding ways to win so I think that's going to come up and I think the Braves will see Whoever that team may be, I could see it being the Cubs. I could see it being the Phillies again. Uh, but 
Overall, I think it'll be interesting, and I, I do think the Braves are the favorite, but we will just have to see how it plays out. Yeah, the, those hot teams, again, they can really ride that wave, and these series are just short enough to where uh, it, it can be hard to wear a bullpen down, especially because you get days off in between every couple of games. You know, So you you do ask pitchers to maybe throw back-to-back games, maybe three, three days or three games in four days, but it just it's hard in a short-term scenario to really make that count a lot. The Braves have been a little bit more shallow in their bullpen. Uh, I know uh, Tom was bringing up he was flat-out concerned about some of them. That, again, it is still the number three ERA, bullpen ERA in Major League Baseball. So I guess it's something the Braves are not first in. But you know, I think that realistically what you're talking about there is just that they have bled some guys that to, due to injury – Dylan Lee does not look the same post-injury. Jesse Chavez has still not come back. I think he's finally rehabbing, yeah. but but has, has still not come back, and I don't know if you'd count on him after missing that much time. Uh, you know, Colin McHugh's kind of lost it a little bit here as of late. Uh, so you still got guys like Mentor who has turned a corner and has been actually awesome the last couple of months after being really terrible in, in the first month. Uh, you've had really good stuff from Kirby Yates. Uh, even from Joe Jimenez, who's been surprising. Uh, so you, you kind of would look for maybe a second lefty uh, to go with, mentor mentor, just because, again, you were kind of banking on Dylan Lee and he just was not – or he's just not been up to snuff and that sort of thing. So the good news is you did bring in Brad Hand, and Brad Hand has been pretty good uh, the, the last couple of times out, but a little shaky to start off with. So, again, just kind of a small sample size – on Brad Hand, but uh, you know, I, I think that overall, yeah, there's as TP says, there's just too many bats to keep them down a whole series. I can see, sure, I can see a game where they have one run or something, but when you're talking about Acuna's an MVP candidate, he leads off. Albies is going to be a 30 homer, 100 RBI guy hitting second. Uh, hitting third is Austin Riley. He's 35 homers, 80 something RBIs, hitting 270, 280. Matt Olson cleaning up. Braves franchise record. The next home run he hits will be the most home runs the Braves ever hit in a single season. He's also got 120-something RBI, so he's clean up. Ozuna's up the 34, 35 homers hitting fifth. That's top 12 in baseball. Entire league, your fifth-place hitter is hitting 35 homers. Uh, then hitting six is Rosario. He's up 20-some homers, 80 RBIs, hitting 270. Bat seventh is Sean Murphy, who his raw numbers are not incredible. It's 20 homers, 60 RBIs, hit 270. But again, they played Darno almost every other game. So Murphy's only played about 90 to 100 games. If he played DH when he did not catch, he'd be a 30 homer, 100 RBI candidate. That's hitting seventh for you. Uh, hitting eighth is Orlando Arcia, who made the damn all star team. And batting ninth for you is Michael Harris, who's hitting 290. <laughs> so you tell me what you feel good about. Uh, sequentially in an entire series being able to work on it and get out the whole time. So that's why it's like, man, on the surface level, if the best team wins, we know who the best team is. But unfortunately, you got to play it out. And they will have an opportunity to lose, unfortunately, because, again, they were a 100-win team last year. They were better than the Phillies last year and not in the three out of five that counted. But, again, it gives me hope that – You've just played the Phillies at their ballpark. So if the Phillies are going to Philly again this year and be really hot, 
you just beat them three out of four in their their home place. Like you've beaten every team that matters in the National League. Uh, and, and so, sure, you you had rough series throughout the year. They didn't play well against the Cardinals a couple weeks ago. They didn't win that White Sox series out of the break. They didn't win the Oakland series. They, they played down to some bad teams, and that, that in itself shows you what can happen with an incredibly small sample size. But what we know from the season as a whole, the Braves have also taken care of all the really good teams when they, when they played them in series, when there's been any sort of momentum for anybody else. Uh, won the Cubs series, too, and they've been, they've been warm in the second half. And so that's why I still have a lot of confidence. I know it's not be overconfidence because, again, I know what can happen in this format, but uh, it gives me confidence that they've already checked all those boxes throughout the year against good teams and even as of late as they've – I mean, they had the division wrapped up two weeks ago, but they went ahead and did it three out of four on the Phillies' home field to actually put the check in the box and, and wrap things up. So it's been really great stuff there from the Braves – Again, about two weeks, just a little over two weeks left in the season. They're going for the home run record in Major League Baseball. Uh, Cunha's still going for MVP. There's still an outside shot of Strider winning the Cy Young. So they still have some things to play for. I think you'll see them all play here uh, in the in the final couple weeks of the season uh, and, and won't sit. And also because you you sit an entire round, that's your three to five to six days of rest. So... I don't really want to see them sit, per se, uh, but sure, throwing 75 or 80 pitches instead of 100 for a starter, or you know, if you're up 9-2 to or down 9-2, to you don't need to have your guys field in the ninth inning, whatever. You know, that, that sort of thing, certainly, we, I think we could start to see here in, the, in these last two weeks, but it's been very impressive stuff what the, what the Braves have been able to do this year and for the last six years. We're going to head to our first timeout of the show when we come back. Chandler Smith will join us again, driver the number 16 for Colleg Racing in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. He'll join us to talk about the playoffs, talk about it's Bristol, baby, and a lot more. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. Welcome back to the Thursday edition of Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, Brooks Childress with you here on this Thursday afternoon. Expected to be joined by Chandler Smith here in just a couple of moments uh, as the NASCAR season continues on. The start of the Xfinity Series playoffs 
coming up uh, tonight again at Bristol. Uh, trucks start off tonight, and then uh, Friday night you got the Xfinity Series. Saturday you've got the Cup Series. Uh, I like when they do the the nighttime races in the fall. It's just so tough for NASCAR sometimes because you, you're obviously going up against the NFL on Sunday. So I, I'd honestly think that they might have a slightly better go of it going with a couple more Saturday night races. But the Bristol race is the only Saturday night race that they do for uh, for the Cup Series. And again, the Xfinity Series is tomorrow night. Uh, we saw our pal Grant Enfinger win already in the playoffs in the Truck Series, advancing him into the next round. So the Trucks going off tonight. Uh, and so that's been good to watch and uh, just really excited about Bristol too. Bristol, this car has been interesting. I, I often say with this new car that it actually is more fun to rate, to watch the Xfinity guys race because of how the actual car drives. Now, obviously, you know all the cup drivers and you still enjoy it because it's the, the top series there. Yeah. But just from the way the cars race, it's actually more enjoyable at the Xfinity level because with these new next-gen cars at the cup level, it's really taken a lot of fun out of the short track. It's really hard to pass. It's just incredibly hard to pass people. Uh, and so it's actually been reversed. They, they changed the schedule to do more short tracks and road courses because that's where the old car raced better, and that's what the Xfinity guys drive now. But the new car actually races better at these mile and a half tracks and it's been uh it's been better to watch at places like kansas what we saw last week it's been very it's been very fascinating yeah it you know it, every single year it feels like there's a new twist and turn in, in the nascar series uh all three of them really but yeah i i, I agree with you you know you, you look at um you, you look at the 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 way that this new the new car setup has played for the cup series and it, it it's done something that is uh, like you just mentioned it's done something that's kind of helped uh, to get that the uh, the tracks that everybody said was boring was those mile and a half tracks it's gotten those to be more uh, action-packed more uh, interesting for folks to watch um, but they over adjusted because the last like you were mentioning the car that's in the Xfinity series the last car is does really well at the at the short tracks like this weekend as well at the the road courses and it it feels like you know it it feels like in the cup series when you go to these short tracks and when you go to the road courses you're watching f1 race and you know i know f1 has gotten really popular with the netflix series but there's not a lot of passing in those you usually a lot of times you see whoever wins the pole is going to be there at the end, either one or two at the end in, in the F1 series. And that's what it, it's kind of felt like with some of these Cup Series races at the, the short tracks and the, 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 um, the, the road courses. And you wish or you, you would hope that's, you know, during the offseason, uh, NASCAR can go back and look at it and, you know, say, what can we do to make it kind of in the middle here where you, you've got – the old car that was really exciting at these smaller tracks and everything, but now the new car is is fixing a problem that we had with these mile and a halfs where everything was just boring. You kind of you, know, you did the Kansas, you you did the the mile and a half. You're like, oh, it's, it's that weekend. We don't really want to watch that race. Uh, we'll wait till they get to the bigger tracks or or go to the the, the smaller tracks. But 
they, it fixed that problem, but it over adjusted. Now it, it's not fun. It, no, I'm not going to say not fun, uh, but it's 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 less entertaining for the average viewer to watch it at the at the the majority of their tracks that they is on the schedule now. So you you really hope that in the off season, maybe not this year. You know, I don't know how long it takes for them to get the new a new car package out and you know do all this research, but. Um, Maybe here in the next year or so, you can get to a, a happy medium between the last car and this car that makes it more interesting to race everywhere. And it's not just catering to, you know, it's not going this extreme, these extremes. Still hoping to be joined by Chandler Smith in just a couple moments. We will uh, talk about another thing real quickly uh, while we, uh, we see if Chandler can join us still. Of course, they are preparing for the playoff race tomorrow night. You know, uh, released, I believe it was Tuesday, it could have been Monday, uh, more TV times to tell you about for, for college football in the coming weeks. Uh, Auburn, Texas A&M at 11 a.m. is the scheduled time next Saturday inside uh, uh, the 12th Man College Station. What a contrast uh, from two out of three weeks. You could not play later uh, when, you, <laughs> when you played out at <laughs> yeah. Berkeley. You cannot play earlier than eleven local time yeah. uh, against Texas A and M. I, I understand that Wake Forest and Vandy played ten a.m. I guess last week, but that was in the Eastern time zone. Then they had a weather delay, and they didn't really play much until afternoon. But uh, stark contrast of times, guys. How do you feel about the eleven a.m. slot for Auburn and A and M? I mean, fair. Uh, you, you look at the, both these teams, and it's it's a fair uh, fair uh, spot. Um, I'm never a fan of my team having the 11 a.m. kickoff because it's it's right there. You know, you, you wake up, and if you're you know, I know you know, hey, get up out of bed, lazy bones. But sometimes if you're you know, like high school football, you're out a little bit later, uh, and so you like to have a little bit mid afternoon kickoff. But you know, you look at this Auburn team, you look at this Texas A&M team. You got a you got a potential for Auburn to be three and zero coming into this game. You got a potential for Texas A&M to be two and one coming into this game and it, it's it, i think it's fair you lead off right after game day and uh, I, I think it's a good game to good good time slot for this this auburn and uh, texas a&m matchup let's now go to our orthopedic clinic phone line and as expected we are now joined by chandler smith the driver of the number 16 chevrolet for colleague racing in the nascar xfinity series chandler really appreciate the time today how are you this afternoon i'm doing all right man yourself uh, we're doing quite well, and it's an exciting time in NASCAR as the Xfinity Series uh, playoffs start this weekend at one of the best tracks on the circuit. Let's talk, though, about your first year in the Xfinity Series, Chandler. What's that move been like going from the trucks to the Xfinity this year? Yeah, no, I feel like it's went really well. Uh, having a good group of uh, men and women around me at Colleague Race, and that transition definitely helped. Uh, also, just my background with short track race and racing super late models, I feel like there's a lot of similarities between the vehicles, between a super late model and an Xfinity car. So that definitely helps as well. So it's been uh, fairly smooth, I would say. And uh, you mentioned, obviously, going to Colleague Racing. This is a interesting team, Chandler, because they are still relatively new, as you know, on the NASCAR circuit, yet they've made uh, a lot of headlines just with how successful they've already been with various drivers like yourself in the Xfinity Series and also going up to the Cup Series with what, someone like A.J. Allmendinger, or Justin Haley. I mean, just talk about what it's been like working at Colleague and, and for an organization that's trying to be groundbreaking. Yeah, no, it's been great, you know, coming into a new organization that's, like you said, fairly new. 
from myself coming from KBM, which is a fairly uh, very well-established organization, got over 100 wins now. Um, so they're, they're extremely established coming from that. So over here was definitely a big change as far as the environment and just the dynamic and all that. But I think it was uh, it's pretty well over at Colleague. It's got it's a completely different atmosphere, and um, I'm, I'm enjoying it. So first time for you going to Bristol here in the Xfinity car, you were able to win at a short track earlier this year in Richmond. What have you heard about uh, just what this car is going to be like at, at Bristol and, and some of the uh, takeaways you've tried to have at other short tracks to prepare for this one? Yeah, no, I mean, the the approach is the same as every other weekend as far as kind of how we want, what we want out of the balance and whatnot. Um but no, the biggest thing that I that I've heard and I've seen, and and just watching races is the it's not as track position dependent as a truck is there. A truck, it's super super hard to pass. Very track position dependent. Where you qualify tends to be kind of where you sit around if you don't get track position on pit road. Where Xfinity cars, you can move around around the top or on the bottom and make passes, and uh, it just seems more racy. So it's gonna be exciting. Now, Chandler, when you were growing up watching racing, was Bristol one of your favorite tracks, or, or what did you uh, kind of enjoy most about watching the sport? As weird as it sounds, in my early days growing up watching racing, I don't even remember watching many races at Bristol, but as I got a little bit older, uh, I do remember watching it and seeing the races at Bristol. and It was, uh, yeah, it's definitely one of my favorite racetracks, to say the least. So when you look at this uh, playoff schedule for you guys, I know there's a little bit... Uh, of everything here in that first round you got uh texas coming up after this week and then you got the charlotte roval uh to end the round of 12 uh how do you think this lines up for you guys in terms of you got a short track an intermediate and, and a road course just what do you like about uh kind of the balance in the schedule here yeah definitely it's definitely interesting for sure but i love i'm on the way to bristol right now it's one of my favorite tracks and I'm super excited to come up here. I feel like this is definitely the best venue that we could be racing at, especially for the first uh, race in the playoffs. I think there's no other place on the schedule that we should be racing at that that should hold that title next to its name. So really excited to get in my uh, Barger precast Chevy and go rip some laps tomorrow. Absolutely. And Chandler, I go back to earlier this year now uh, with your win at Richmond. You also had the opportunity to drive in the Cup Series at Richmond, so I'd love to hear kind of a compare and contrast of what that was like in terms of uh, how different the Xfinity Series car and the Cup car is, and just the opportunity you did have to uh, to race both sides of that doubleheader. Yeah, um, the Cup car is so different. It's honestly more similar to a truck than an Xfinity car by a mile. Um, as crazy as it sounds, clean air in a Cup car at Richmond was huge. Uh, you'd get super, super, super tight behind people. The tires are so big that you'd have a, you'd have more grip on the straightaway straight line than you think you would have. You know, 80 laps into a tire run, um, there's not much sidewall, so you can't really put it on edge getting into the corner. It's just so much. They're so, they're so, so different. Can't even compare all the fundamentals that you really learn. The fundamentals of Richmond, all that stuff carries over. Doesn't matter what the vehicle is, but as far as vehicle to vehicle, man, there's so different you can't even compare the two yeah i understand that uh, nascar has done some t- testing with the cup cars at short tracks trying to figure out how to get them to race a little bit differently it's been pretty wild as we've had other drivers on just to talk about 
some of the differences. But also, I think it was just curious to ask you, too, because, I mean, that was a track that you uh, – that is your win here in the Xfinity Series this year. And so a place that you excelled at when the Xfinity car, you also had the opportunity to drive in the Cup car. So it kind of came at a track that you – I know a lot of drivers say Richmond is very year-to-year and, and race-to-race with them, but uh, it was a pretty neat opportunity to see a track that you sort of mastered this year and also get right in the Cup car there. Yeah, no, I love Richmond. Richmond is my favorite racetrack on the circuit. Uh, it's been really good to me last year. Got a win there in the truck this year. Got a win there in the Xfinity car with different organizations and different manufacturers. That's definitely, I feel like, something really cool that I have on my resume. Talking to Chandler Smith today on Sports Call Driver, the number 16 Chevy for Colleague Racing in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. So, Chandler, as we go playoff racing here at Bristol, how important is stage racing to you? Do you guys kind of look at the big picture of the race in terms of trying to be there at the end for the win, or do you try to get stage points at all costs? Kind of what's the what's the strategy like there? Yeah, I don't. It's kind of situation dependent. If you got a race car good enough worth of winning, and you feel like you've got a really good shot at winning, then you got to do the strategy to go win. But if you got a you know mediocre top ten car you've got to go for stage points because you don't want something later on to happen in the race or you get into a wreck and you have no points to fall back on. So um, it's just, it's really situation dependent to be quite honest with you. As you've continued to learn throughout this year, again, being your first full-time year in Xfinity, what has been the biggest thing that you've learned that you can take into this playoffs? Uh, Probably just learning who I'm racing against, who they are, as a driver, their driving styles, kind of their tendencies when you race them, how they are with how much respect they give you on the racetrack and whatnot. Just, I'd say that's probably the biggest thing, just kind of being self-aware of who's around you and how they're going to race you. And now I, I understand that down the schedule here, the Xfinity Series not going to uh, Talladega is part of the playoffs. Of course, we're not too far from Talladega here in the state of Alabama. Uh, do you like restrictor plate racing? Do you have any uh, any memories so far in your time restrictor plate racing that, that stand out? Whenever you have a good day restrictor plate racing, you love it. But when you have a horrible day and you wreck and the wreck hurts, it's the worst thing in the world. Don't even know why we're doing it, right? So, <laughs> um, I raced the cup car at Daytona a few weeks ago, and uh, we had a good showing, you know. <laughs> Stage one, we lost the drive, went a lap down. Stage two, we kind of rode around, went and challenged for the lead at one point, then went to the back uh, to avoid chaos. And then stage three, we showed glimpses of challenging for the lead, leading the front and stuff like that. So I felt like that was a that was pretty cool. That was that was really cool racing up front on Sunday with those guys in an Xfinity car. The same weekend on Saturday, we were up front all day as well. So, but in the Xfinity car, we got caught up in a wreck, so that made me be on the side of man why do we even do this <laughs> this is horrible and then i go sunday and have a decent little finish i mean we finished i don't know 15th or something like that but we were five four wide across the line like 15th all the way to second was only in the span of four car lengths of each other so i felt like that was that was pretty cool Certainly appreciate the time today. Chandler, will give you one or two more here, and we'll let you get back to it. Uh, talking to Chandler Smith today on Sports Call. So as we look at this playoff schedule, as I mentioned, you got the, the Bristol, Texas, and and uh, Charlotte Roval uh, trio here coming up in the first round. You go to Vegas in the second round, a place you ran really well at uh, earlier this year. Are there any particular tracks, maybe including Vegas, that you feel really confident in here in this playoff stretch? Or, or maybe conversely, is there a track that you're kind of worried about that, that you didn't run as well at? earlier this year just kind of kind of take us through where uh the headspace is at with with some of these tracks on the schedule no i i think we're all in a good place for all these racetracks to be honest with you, you know colleague has a 
has a uh, outstanding record at the Roval. Um, and I feel like all the other racetracks, you know, we've been fairly decent at this year. So I, uh, I'm looking forward to it, looking forward to uh, seeing how far we can go in the playoffs. And I just want a shot. I want a shot at Phoenix. I don't care where we finish Phoenix, but I just want a shot at being in the championship four and uh, going through the motions like we did last year. That was, uh, that was a cool deal, and that's what every racer dreams of is just having a shot at a championship. So there's, uh, there's quite a few steps that you got to take that giving yourself a shot. Absolutely. Chandler, we certainly appreciate the time today. We, we know the Bristol race coming up tomorrow night, 630, uh, of course, across uh, TV networks on USA, across PRN and other great affiliates throughout the state. Certainly appreciate the time today. Wish you well throughout the playoffs, and we look forward to seeing you out there. Yep, thank you, guys. That is Chandler Smith joining us today on Sports Call again, driver the number 16 for Colleg Racing in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. Appreciate Chandler uh, for joining us on the show today couple more minutes left here in this hour again we were talking a little bit earlier before uh chandler was able to call in there as he's making his way as you just heard to bristol uh for this playoff race against some of these great tracks around the south and and bristol certainly a place uh where i i know i've enjoyed racing for a very long time growing up that's why i kind of made the comment about the the cup car and how it's racing uh, at some of these short tracks, I certainly want the uh, the entertainment value to be there. But uh, it's such a uh, a great opportunity for uh, these drivers uh, like Chandler, who are are so young, coming up through the NASCAR circuit so quickly. Uh, Chandler, uh, for those who don't know, I mean, he's just 21, 22 years old, and uh, he already carries himself incredibly well and uh, has had some success in that college car and again college racing is is someone is a team that again f- 10 years ago didn't exist five years ago it was just kind of laying the groundwork to run uh, had some successful xfinity campaigns with guys like aj allmendinger uh, who has m- moved back into cup this year and then college now is at top of the heap in terms of, of teams that expect to compete for that Xfinity Series title. But you love when a guy like Chandler Smith, who clearly has a lot of talent coming from the Truck Series, gets an opportunity to, to ride with a team that or drive for a team that has had already proven success in such a short amount of time. Call gets truly, to me, one of the most fascinating teams in the sport because they have the aspirations to one day join the likes of, of Hendrick Motorsports and and uh, Joe Gibbs Racing and and Penske up at the top of the cup level. And, uh, again, they've already risen to the top of the Xfinity Series uh, so quickly. So certainly appreciate Chandler for joining us. And, again, his uh, his outlook very positive coming into the uh, the playoffs here. Yeah, and it, it should be. They've been running well all year, and, uh, you know, you, you've got to – He's got a shot, and you know he talked about wanting a shot at that playoff four. I think he's got a shot at that playoff four when it get when it gets down to it down in uh, in Phoenix, and you know it, it's it's going to be a, it's going to be a little bit of a work. It, it's interesting, you know that, that you were you know you, you mentioned the Talladega not on their uh, playoff schedule for this year, which is you know it, it it's kind of interesting. Um, but you, I, I do I've always said this, and or I say I've always said this. It, it's it's been a take of mine that I I really you know some I, I would like the NASCAR schedule to move around a bit. I I do think there's some weekends that need to stay the same. I think the Daytona opener uh, with the 500 needs to stay the same. I think um, I, it, they moved the Daytona race off of 
um, the 4th of July uh, weekend, and I, I think that should be moved back to that. I think I like the Summer Daytona race for the 4th of July. Uh, I, I think Memorial Day should stay at the Coca-Cola 600. Uh, but there, I think everywhere else um, – I think should be fluid and move around and kind of give everybody a different a different uh, feel of things because you know you look at any other sport you're not playing the same teams the same weeks every single year um, it's it, you know I think it gives you and it, it give especially when you look at the playoff when you get to those playoffs uh, races um, you know you know say say it's Bristol Talladega and uh, Richmond, three in a row. I don't know. If, you know, I don't think that's the actual schedule. But do you want to go Roval? The Roval, sure. The third let's, one is. Let's yeah. do. Let's do three, three yeah. different tracks. Uh, three different styles different, of tracks. Yeah. Bristol, Talladega, and Roval. Well, if you do that year after year, everybody's like, all right, we know what this week. Well, if you start to throw things around, it, 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 if if you say, hey, instead of Bristol, let's go to uh, California, and instead of uh, Talladega, let's have this playoff race be at uh, Indianapolis, uh, and and you start throwing things around like that. It may it challenges your teams to not just look at last year and say this is what we ran last year. We did you know well last year here. Let's just, you know let's try to set the car up the same way. It kind of gives you a little bit more. You, you got to plan it a little bit different. I, I that's just my opinion. And I I, I I like I said it's interesting that they they don't have Talladega on the playoff schedule, but I kind of like it to give you that you don't get into that. Oh yeah, it's Talladega weekend coming up. Let, let's get ready. For, you know, we we know when that's going to be. Now, it, not necessarily. Now you you're, you got there's a little wrench thrown in there. Well, and look, I certainly see where you're coming from because if you have the same tracks every year, you can look at it two different ways. Like, hey, we have a really great group of tracks. It makes a lot of sense. It balances out the playoffs. Mm. Sure, and that's what NASCAR is going to tell you. But it also you could also take the other point of view that says. It's like a slight admission of guilt that there are tracks that are inferior mm. in an entertainment value wise than yeah. the ones that we've actually put on the schedule in the playoffs. Because again, somewhere like Kansas, which to be fair is in the Cup Series playoffs, we saw it last week, has become a lot more fun yeah. with the new car than it was five years ago with the old car. There's a couple of mile and a half tracks that don't exist anymore, like Chicagoland, for example, which would still be a lot of fun now, given how these cup cars are racing now, but several years ago was not as fun. They wanted to, to weed out some of the mile and a half tracks and mile and a half races. And look, now we have the Chicago street course, and that's a lot of fun. Uh, but also, like, the way this car is racing, it's evened out the entertainment values yeah. of some of the short tracks, some of the mile and a half tracks, which I never thought I would say. Uh, so it almost is an admission like, yeah, we clearly have races that are less entertaining. And so if you are in the business of sports entertainment, which that's still ultimately what this is, then you got to work at how, how you can make things more entertaining with those other tracks or with the schedule and that sort of thing. By the way, the NASCAR schedule for next year is still not out, and it's usually always out by this time of year. And so NASCAR is looking at that. Uh, but that is an interesting point. I certainly don't disagree with you that it would be interesting to have some things rotate, especially championship race too, because like you have better have a, a damn near perfect racetrack to have a championship race, and uh, and yet they're going to Phoenix every year. And and another thing is you know with the you mentioned Chicagoland no longer on the the speed with on the schedule, you know you've got uh, Wilkesboro that they redid and made sure it was back. Maybe you know, and and not all the big, not all the races, but maybe some of these tracks you don't go to every single year, and you say, "Hey, let's take out Kansas and insert Chicago, and go to Chicago instead of going to Kansas this year." Or, hey, let's throw in a wild card Wilkesboro again this year and, and go to that and kind of change things up. Where it and you know you're in the business of entertaining, give it, make it a little bit more. 
uh, of a of a I need to go here because they're not racing sure. here every year. That'll do it for hour number one. Again, appreciate Chandler Smith joining us, the driver number sixteen for College Racing and NASCAR xfinity series coming up after this timeout we'll get back to the orthopedic clinic phone line with some of your phone calls a little bit later we'll talk a lot of nfl today make some picks for coming up week two got a thursday night game to talk about tonight so stay tuned a lot of football a lot more on sports call coming up after this timeout One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Our number two of Sports Call starting right now, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, Brooks Childress with you here on this Thursday edition of the program. Again, appreciate Chandler Smith for joining us in hour number one of the NASCAR Xfinity Series. If you missed that interview or if you ever missed Sports Call, you can go check it out on the podcast brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever missed Sports Call Live or if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast. Enjoy an ice-cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk, Coca-Cola. Taste the feeling. Let's go back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line here to start hour number two. First up on the program today, Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you this afternoon? Hey, it's Friday. I'm well, feel like Friday is Thursday, but I'm I'm feeling good. How you guys doing, TP and Brooks? Doing doing well, doing well. Okay, Brooks. When you talked earlier about the uh, having twists and turns, were you referring to uh, the fans' uh, necks and heads turning and twisting? What? What are you referring to? Yeah, he uh, he stepped out here for uh, just a second, but uh, I'll try to mess with him. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, he'll he'll be right back in just a second. Okay, all right. Well, let's have some fun real quickly. Who said the following, guys? I don't have time to enjoy the moment. Santa don't have time, you know. He got to deliver the gifts. He ain't got time to enjoy his cookies. That's all to get. Dion, Dion Sanders. Stevie, there. Uh, Steve? Do not hear Steve. And uh, Steve going to have to call us back here. We can't uh, we can't hear you now. So uh, wait for that call back from Steve. I, I know what quote he was referring to, though. Uh, it's, uh, it's definitely a Deion Sanders quote. He was referring to himself as basically Santa. And uh, I had not seen that quote before that. So. Yeah. No, uh, it was uh, – it was Dion, and of course, I'm sure some people have already seen now the uh, the comments from uh, 
uh, the the Jay Norvell, the Colorado State coach, and so uh, we've got we should have Steve back now. Steve, are you there? Uh, we yep. uh, got disconnected. Yep, we you, got you uh, now. You get my attempt at humor. Uh, Brooks, did you get uh, his attempt at humor there? I, I did. Okay, well then I said let's have some real fun here. Who said the following, guys? I don't have time to enjoy the moment. Santa don't have time, you know. Again, yeah, it's Deion Sanders, yeah. Yeah, I, I love that one. I mean, really? Santa don't have time? He ain't got time to enjoy his cookies? Well, all right, wow. Okay, Dion. Uh He never, uh, I guess, uh, uh, sees his touch maybe with some of his attempts of humor. All right, moving on real quickly, guys. How about some really, really nice, nice uh, news about people who have, I guess, uh, a lot of heart and uh, like to do good things with their money. I'm referring to this gentleman, and I don't even remember if you probably guys, you know, I don't you know, follow baseball that much except for the Braves. But do you recall a Colorado uh, Rockies player by the name of Todd Helton? Absolutely, yeah. No, he's a was a great player. Played college baseball at Tennessee. Is he in the Hall of Fame yet? No, he he ends up getting about thirty or forty percent, I think, on the ballot. But uh, he he might get in one day, but not so far. Well, he ought to he ought to get in for this. Then uh, this comes from a website I just happened to hit upon called Nice News, and apparently recently he uh, teamed up with a nonprofit organization called Rip Medical Debt. And this is what he did, guys. He eliminated over $10 million of medical debt for the people in Colorado. Oh, wow. That's, yeah, that's what he did. Uh, and um, this, is, uh, this is a legit organization. It's called Rip Medical Debt. What they do is they buy debt, uh, medical debt from hospitals and bill collectors in bulk at a steep discount. And then the beneficiaries of those debts are paid off don't do anything. They just simply receive a letter in the mail that their medical debts have been paid off. Yeah, it's awesome. Absolutely awesome. Uh, he retired, it says, in 2013. Yeah. So is he still eligible? Uh, he would be about to be... Because uh, you don't get voted... You know, you get voted first year in the Yeah, he, he's yeah. like right on the so edge. he'd only have like one more year, I think. All right. Now, if you think that's really... Uh, generous. He has a friend of his, and I never heard of this guy, Ryan J-U-M-O-N Jumanville. This friend of his, a classmate of his, recently took care of $100 million in medical debt for people in his home state of Florida. Okay. Wow. Okay. Moving on, guys. How about some ugly news? And I'm wondering, guys, you tell me why is it still coming up right now? But this comes from a reporter um, Mike Fish of ESPN. You know him, right? Mike Fish. Uh, that, that name's not really ringing a bell right now. Okay, well, I got some bleach report. But apparently he's detailing some additional, I guess, uh, uh, reports or testimony um, from uh, A-Rod when he met with agents from the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration in 2014. And apparently he threw under the bus several other players, including Manny Ramirez, right? And uh, Ryan Vaughn about the PEDs that they were uh, buying from this guy named Tony Bosch. Sure. So I went on red, um, and then it says right here that um, it apparently doesn't look like that uh, Mr. A.Y. is going to make it to the Hall of Fame. Uh, according to this report, he said uh, 
He just got 34.3% of the vote in 2022. Right. And saw his share climb to just 35.7% in 2023. What is your best guess, guys? Does he not make it? Yeah, none, none of the steroid people will. A-Rod, a Bonds, Clemens, none of them will by voting. If they ever make it, it'll be uh, because of a... There, there's a special committee that ought, ought, like goes back well after the fact and guys that have fallen off the ballot they reassess after a certain period of time it's like a legends type of ballot that's the only way any of those guys are getting in there's not enough voters that will vote for them okay all right and then on this date guys in baseball major league baseball what happened in the year 1994 uh, and i was around when this happened did they go on strike very good very good ryan yes they did go on strike. You know how long it lasted? Uh, they didn't play the World Series in 94, right? So You're right. It, uh, early, uh, like like April or May of 95, somewhere there? Very good. Yeah. Yes. All right. I should use you as a trivia partner. <laughs> uh, April the 2nd, 1995, was when it finally ended. Yeah, I knew the 95 season was a little shortened, but obviously we knew they, they played it because that's when our Braves won the won the title. But, uh, but yeah, I, I was... Uh, I'm glad that's not happened since then. Yeah. Well, apparently, uh, a lot of the players were really upset even after it ended. And uh, it says here, in 2014, this comes from the uh, History Channel, uh, former Oakland A's star pitcher Dave Stewart told USA Today magazine that he never felt the same way about baseball again. Yeah. That's right. And relief pitcher Rich Gossage said in an interview with USA Today also, quote, most of these guys in the big leagues today, they don't have any freaking clue on how they've been, uh, how they're being paid all this money. Not one clue. They have no idea the blood, sweat, and tears we went through. So, um, guys, you ever seen this ever repeating itself? Uh, another MLB strike? Uh, I I don't put it past it happening because look, it, there is a lot on the line. And there can be a lot of bickering, and players want to. I mean, every both sides are always going to want every inch they can get, and so as long as both sides are, are greedy to some degree or uh, motivated to do so, there's always going to be a negotiation. And if there's always a negotiation, there's a possibility uh, that it could go awry and take a long period of time. I I, I would still think it's not likely just because I think both sides will understand what a work stoppage means and how impactful that is economically now as it's continued to grow. But again, if there's a lot of money on the line and there's a lot of feelings on the line, then again, there there, there will be some tough negotiations time after time. So it's not impossible in my opinion. I mean, we saw the what the, the lockout uh, just a couple years ago yeah. pre-season that, that almost affected the yeah. regular season. I mean, season. it got pretty close. It got pretty close last time. So... Yeah. Well, give me give me your thoughts on this, guys. Who who is this? Uh, well, what is this about? Is it the greed of the owners or the greed of the players? I think most people would probably say more owners, but uh, it, it depends on each issue each time, and it depends on you know what if we're talking more about salary, if we're talking uh, you know for. Major League Baseball stuff like arbitration or or service time, which is important keyword for when you're valued to become a free agent and player control and that sort of thing. So I could bore you with a lot of the things, but 
you know, I, I would I would say the short answer would be would be owners would be more to blame, but it doesn't mean that players are blameless, and there do, does have to be some cutoffs at some time. Okay. Well, speaking of all that, can we just real quickly jump to the NBA? And I put this under the category of no rest for the fakers. <laughs> yeah. How about this? The NBA uh, apparently uh, decided, the league did, uh, to uh, put a stop to what I call, I guess, taking a break. Yeah, for load management. Uh, apparently, there's going to be some fines now for people, stars. They call them the stars. Now, do you know what a star is according to the NBA now? I believe they said someone that's made either an all-star team or an all-NBA team in any of the previous three seasons. You're right. Very good. Yes, yes. All right, do you know what the punishments are? Uh, there's a there's a, a million-dollar fine or something like that. Uh, I don't, I'll give the rundown. Yeah. Here's where we start with. Yeah. $100,000 for the first violation. Yeah. Two fifty for the second violation, $1 million for the third violation, $2 million for the fourth violation, $3 million for the fifth, and so on. And who do they say on here that can afford that uh, without blinking an eye? Owners. Yeah, which owner do they say on Bleacher Report can, uh, can not even you know, break Ballmer. a sweat? Very, very good. Yes. The same thing that TP told me on the phone. So is he that wealthy? Uh, well, A, kind of all of them are. Uh, B, Ballmer is towards the top of the list in terms of net worth. The Clippers are in the process of building a new arena. Uh, it's going; They're going to be moving out of Crypto.com Arena. And so uh, because of his days at Microsoft, he, he's way up there, and the Clippers are, are very well funded. Steve, his net wow. worth is uh, reportedly $100 billion. Wow. Really? Yeah. And all yeah. all of those guys are going to be in at least the B's. I mean, they, they may not be a hundred billion, but all those owners. I mean, because the franchise valuations that all the the teams are worth basically a billion dollars or or uh, or more in some cases. So uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I the, the, a lot of them are going to be pl- plural billions. Yeah. Oh my. Okay. I guess this is just like me and you spending um, maybe a hundred dollars on somebody. Yeah. Uh, may, maybe even less. I mean, maybe maybe, maybe ten dollars. Yeah. All right. Let's quickly jump to the really really tense um, uh, game coming up on Saturday. Uh, I hope not. But you know, we talked about uh, you guys. You and I were bantering about you know how many passes uh, should we expect? Because I expect anyway uh, from Peyton Thorne. And uh, I know you guys had a lower uh, attempts than I had. I said I like to see thirty thirty five. Well, I got some stats here for you guys that maybe my uh, expectations are not that unrealistic. I'm looking at this from uh, 247 Sports. Um, the uh, Catamounts, yeah. That's what yeah. Anyway, uh, Western Carolina. Oh, Western yeah. Carolina. Yeah. yeah. Um, here's, what, here's what the Sanford defense uh, didn't do against the vaunted West Carolina uh, offense. Uh, Sanford allowed 34 first downs. They gave up 284 yards rushing on 49 attempts, and then they gave up 262 through the air. Now, what's really uh, interesting here is the quarterback for Western Carolina, I don't know his name, he threw 35 times. And guess how many he completed, guys? 
I don't know, 22, 23? Very warm. You're getting warm. 29. 29. All right. Yeah, again, so the, I'm bringing that up because, yeah. you know, that's why I'm saying, look, I expect Peyton Thorne to throw at least 30 pass attempts. Well, again, th- this is still a different animal than uh, playing Western Carolina or, or Sanford playing Western Carolina because – that was actually supposed to be a game. I know Western Carolina ended up beating them bad, uh, but that was actually supposed to be a, a good FCS matchup. And right. so your strategy is going to be different in that. And so Western Carolina obviously wanted to do both run and pass to try and score on Sanford. But again, Auburn doesn't need to do that. It's all about what they, uh, what they feel like they want to do against a team they're going to beat either way by a decisive amount of points. And so, like, yeah, they could throw 35 passes if they wanted to, but, again, they don't need to. And so I just don't I'm, – I'm not going to be very confident in a number because it's really just all about what the coaching staff wants to, wants to get out of this. Because even, you know, they, they could do this. They could throw a lot. They could throw 30 passes, 35, however many, and, and, and do it well. But guess what? I'm not coming on the show on Monday saying, all right, they're about to throw all over A&M now. No, no one's going to feel that way. So on some level, they, they need to put something good on tape, and they need to find a way to gain more confidence in themselves. But I'm not sure that there's a real number that they have to achieve to do that. It's more about what they do with the opportunities they 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 take. I hear you. Everything you said that's fair. It has merit. I'm just saying. Look, we only threw 17 times against Cal, and how many did we throw against uh, our first opponent? UMass. Uh, UMass. I think it was 24 combined. I think 24, 25. I'll double check. But yeah, it was something okay. in the mid twenties. Minimum, minimum, we should pass for twenty five. Sure, sure. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. Uh, they shouldn't be throwing less than that. All right, and then put in, um, you know, uh, Robbie and and uh, Holden, I like to see Holden Garner. Uh, and then there was a comment that uh, he made earlier, Coach Freeze, about Robbie Asher's party. He says without him, uh, we uh, can't expect to have basically as much success offensively. What what possessed him to say that comment, guys? Because I'm not seeing anything that shows me, hey, Robbie can go out there and sling it also. Yeah, two things. One, uh, it was 25 attempts against UMass officially. Uh, 17 from Thorne, 6 from Ashford, 2 from Gurner. Uh, secondly, I you know I, I wouldn't really agree with, with his comments there because it's almost like I speculated going into the Cal game where they kept putting Ashford in in the red zone uh, even against UMass, and it almost felt like they were using it as a crutch in week one. And to me, that just continues my narrative that I feel that they just don't have confidence in the in the normal offense. They just don't have confidence, uh, that much confidence in Thorne. And so it's been it's very interesting to see a coaching staff feel that way about a guy they did name starter a couple weeks before. The, the start of the season because usually like I, like I said the other day usually it's us analyzing the game that starts to lack confidence in somebody and then the coaches make a change it's usually not the other way around it's not, it's not usually the coaches lack confidence and pull people or change change it up before we're even ready to see that 
Uh, and so, again, I just think that they are maybe even overvaluing Ashford's ability to run as like some way of saving them if, if Thorne does not produce the way they want to, uh, what they want him to in the passing game. Well, that's one uh, conclusion, and it sounds very you know credible. How about this possibility uh, explanation? Could the staff, including Freeze, be trying to appease Mr. Uh, Robbie Ashford to prevent him from possibly leaving and transferring? So that's not impossible. However, I don't think that's the right way to handle things because Ashford clearly has his deficiencies. And if he's not good enough to win your job, you shouldn't be worried about holding on to him. He's not a true freshman. He's not something that you have no idea what he could become. We're starting to get a glimpse of what he could become. He's an excellent runner, or at least a very good runner, that can't throw. And, and so if that's not changed here in the, in the months that Hugh Freeze is working with him, then there's not a high probability that's going to change. And so I wouldn't be. You've got Walker White coming in here next year. He is a legitimate dude. He is a higher rated prospect than Holden Gurner was. He's a top 10 quarterback, very high four star guy. Uh, you, you should not be so worried of the fact that Ashford might transfer because you're not giving him his carries or his touches because he doesn't. He, I mean, honestly, he's just not as important enough to warrant that. And he's not a true freshman where you have all this time in the world to work on him and you're not sure what he could be. We Again, he's, Robbie Ash will not be a great college passer. He The best case scenario for him is someone gets a hold of him, does magical work, and he becomes a decent college passer. He's not going to be a great college passer. So I, I just I, if that's the line of thinking, it's, it's possible they think that way. I don't think that's how they think, and I definitely don't think that's how they should think. Well, I, and I hope not. I only uh, presented that to you guys because it's some of the comments being made by uh, people posting on 247 Sports. I said, gee, uh, well, they're, they're that worried about uh, Robbie Ashford leaving. Uh, what are they doing being coaches, right? Well, I mean, uh, unfortunately with the portal and with NIL, you do have to worry about your own guys leaving. I mean, that, that like in, in general, you unfortunately have to keep recruiting guys that are even here. But you, there's also levels to it, and I'm not worried about a known commodity leaving if that known commodity is not great. You know, like if if Ashford, like that's why I keep saying, if he was a true freshman and everyone sees this great running ability, and they're just unsure of the passing game at this point, well, then there's more credence to trying to hang on to that because you've got a lot of years to try to develop. You don't really know how bad or how good it is right now. You've got a shot at development there. And it's different here because he had a almost a full year last year in this league. He was a 49% passer, which is about as bad of a place as you can come from. And now this year, obviously what you saw in camp was not good enough to beat out Peyton Thorne because it, he didn't have to be a better passer than Peyton Thorne in camp to beat him. He just needed to be as good because we know he's a better runner. And he was not as good as Peyton Thorne. So obviously there was not a big step in development taken there either. Maybe there was a baby step. Maybe maybe if he played a lot, we'd see a baby step, but we don't really want to see that baby step. We want to see Peyton Thorne play well. That's what was he that's what he was brought in to do. So 
it's not unfair in certain situations to be kind of worried about someone transferring or just, you know, that you have high expectations for somebody. You want to give them an opportunity in your program. That's all well and good. I just don't think Astrid is the type of guy that fits that bill. Even though he plays an important position, we get it. I just think he's too much of a known commodity at this point to say, well, there's just so much unknown. No, we're, we're starting to know. I mean, we, we, we kind of know by now, and, and guys can improve, but at this point, his improvements would not make him ever you know, one of these top passers in the league or anything like that. Yeah, okay, because I just wonder why would have Freeze made, uh, made a, a, I guess, the, the, the effort to make the comedy made that you know, somehow he is critical and crucial uh, to our winning games. Uh, on offense, that's why I couldn't figure out. Because you know, I, I agree with all the things you said. You know, Robbie, yeah, you know, I want him to, to look good, but he is—he's not going to be an SEC top-level quarterback. Yeah, no, not as a passer. And again, I, I think they are just valuing that running package a lot. I'm not putting an axe in it yet. I said I'd be willing to see this a little bit more. Uh, it did not work in the Cal game, but I'm willing to, to let them go out there in College Station and have a package and try to execute something different there. I'm not putting the axe in it yet, but if it's not successful, then it's not helping you, and, it, and, and it's going to be harder and harder to defend that package uh, and to keep thinking that that's a very important part of your offense if it just doesn't keep working. We're, we've got to take this break here, Steve. Sure. One, one last thought for us. All right. Um We'll talk about it tomorrow. I want to get your thoughts on uh, what you think uh, we should see in terms of scoring. You know, I saw what West Carolina does, and my thoughts right now is I don't think our defense should allow more than seven points. West Carolina, you know, held Sanford to West to seven points, right? Yes, uh, I again danger people to take the transitive property of things, though it, it does not because A did blank. B should do blank does not really work in sports, at least not not as a general rule of thumb. So, yeah, I'm not saying Sanford should go out there and score 30 or 25 or anything like that. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying if Sanford scored 10 because they they had there was a whoops moment from Auburn and on the second string, you know, I'm not going to come over here and yell about it on Monday. But uh, but yeah, I mean, Sanford should not be going up and down the field like it's Florida Dan Mullen. We'll put it that way. Okay, all right. All right, guys, thank you for your time as always. My time is way, way up. Uh, we'll do this again tomorrow. We really, really, really will be Friday. Yes, so sir. Have a safe afternoon and evening. And, uh, Brooks, you have a good weekend. Say hello to Grace for me. Absolutely. All right, guys, War Eagle. Talk to you tomorrow. War Eagle, appreciate that phone call, Steve. That is retired Ward Steve joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We're going to take our first time out of the 4 o'clock hour. When we come back, more football. Talk a little NFL with you. Again, that's also coming up on our Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. We'll make some of our picks for the upcoming weekend coming up after this. Call into the show. Send us your thoughts via email. You've got mail. Sports call at the tiger.fm. I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, Brooks Childress with you here on this Thursday edition of the program. If you've not noticed the last couple weeks, we've really not been doing birthdays in sports. That is planned. Uh, We have continued to post a graphic on our social media, and uh, we certainly hope everyone that's having a birthday out there uh, has a great one. But uh, since we're in football season, we've been going no birthday segments here uh, the last couple weeks, and we will do that through the duration of football season. If there is a big birthday, we do still like to tell you about it at random, though. And so I do want to shout out Jared Harper, who's turning 26 today, a former Auburn basketball legend point guard of that final four team he's turning 26 still trying to find opportunities in professional basketball and so uh happy birthday temp 26 to jared harper let's continue on with the show though and as promised again thursdays as they have been in years past have been big time nfl days for us it's our way of previewing the league a little bit as there's always a a thursday night game to be had uh tonight's thursday night game is Minnesota taking on the Eagles. And uh, frustrating week for Minnesota last week. Minnesota uh, loses at home to Tampa Bay. Uh, the Vikings were uh, were not particularly good uh, at converting drives at the end of their possessions. Uh, and so the Vikings were, uh, were not able to, to have a successful week. And then also from the Eagles' point of view, it was a little less than stellar. Uh, the Eagles were able to beat New England ultimately by a score of 25-20, to 20, but they did not look convincing in doing so. They had a couple possession lead, uh, and then they were uh, at the end of it trying to hang on for dear life there. Uh, and uh, Mac Jones was able to lead New England back uh, towards a- an opportunity to uh, to give the Patriots a chance of winning that game. So not the most convincing of performances from Philadelphia, although it was against a team that I think is going to be very tough to beat uh, defensively. And then also you had uh, you had offensively uh, for Minnesota a lot of yards against Tampa Bay, uh, but was not able to uh, really rack up any sort of a point total there at the end of drive. So uh, before we go deep dive in these conversations, though, we'll take another phone call on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally, toll-free, one 888 9 Next up on the program today, Shag from Tuskegee. Shag is with us. Shag, how are you this afternoon? I'm, I'm doing fine. I'm doing just fine. I have a question. Uh, who's showing the game Saturday night? Uh, the the Auburn game. So that is going to be actually a SEC Network Plus and ESPN Plus game. Each team has one of these a year. And so it's not on a linear ESPN skin on SEC Network Plus and ESPN Plus. So ESPN Plus will be showing it. Yes, yes. That is the subscription part of ESPN, but yes, they'll have it. Okay. And, and you know, considering the way Things went last Saturday night out there in California. I was scared to death when they said we hadn't won a game out there. But considering what we had to go through, I'll take that. Sure. Now, that's what you call an ugly win. Sure, and an ugly win's always better than a, a beautiful loss. There is no such thing as there a beautiful loss. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Absolutely. Appreciate, uh-huh. the, fo- appreciate the phone call, Shag. So you're right. Uh, that was Shaq from Tuskegee joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. 
Uh, yeah, again, Auburn Sanford not on the uh, linear part of ESPN there. Uh, just ESPN Plus and SEC Network Plus. It's something they started doing one or two years ago, maybe a couple years ago, uh, where each SEC team is put on on Plus. They're kind of encouraging some subscriptions there, a way to trying to boost that up a little bit. And uh, fortunately, uh, if you've got uh, Spectrum, you got uh, linear ESPNs and stuff back this week. But uh, so that won't be a problem going forward. You won't have to be trying to find other people's logins and that sort of thing. But, uh, yeah, Auburn on uh, SEC Network and ESPN Plus uh, this this uh, this Saturday inside Jordan-Harris Stadium for that 6 o'clock kickoff. Uh, but so, guys, as I was saying, speaking of streaming, speaking of uh, extra services and, and that sort of thing, again, Amazon's got the Thursday night NFL packages now, and it was that way last year. You had a team – of Al Michaels, Kirk Herbstreet. So they've got this Vikings-Eagles game. What do you think of these two? this matchup? And uh, are you able to watch via Amazon and uh, via uh, via ways to, to figure out how to how to consume these Thursday night games? Yeah, I, I am able to watch these games. Uh, I think it'll be a pretty interesting matchup. I think it'll be a lot closer than people think because the Eagles did not have a great showing last week. You could argue that they should have lost that game because they just they went for it on like fourth and two at their own 50 with like two minutes left and didn't get it. It was a <clears throat> the Patriots just weren't able to close that one out. But and the Vikings had a tough loss against Ryan's Tampa Bay Buccaneers fire the boat or whatever they say fire the cannons wow fire the boat fire the boats wow fire the cannons i'll tell you what south alabama basketball they're saying is burn the boats ah there that's you what go. that's what they're saying is because it, it's you know it, it, i don't remember what their head coach's name is but he gets off he says we land we, you know we come over on our boats to where we're going to play we burn them because we're not leaving there you and go so so yeah fire. so burn the boats is, is something but fire the boat Fire the cannons, uh, but no, I think the Vikings are. I think they just had a slip up right there. His first game of the season, we see it all the time, where a team comes in that's supposed to be pretty good and drops a game to a team that they're not supposed to. But I think a big, uh, big factor of this though is that it's being played in Philadelphia, and that's a really tough place to play. And Kirk Cousins is on prime time, so that's never that hasn't gone well in his career. So. Overall, though, I think I'm leaning towards the Eagles, but it would not surprise me. It, it wouldn't surprise me if the Vikings won, but it would surprise me if Kirk had a really good performance tonight. Remember, guys, I mean, primetime Kirk Cousins, normally bad. Yes. You know, 12 o'clock Kirk Cousins, top seven quarterback in Goat. the league. <laughs> you know, any sort of primetime slot, like Ryan Tannehill, or worse, probably, for, for Kirk Cousins most of the time. Um, <laughs> I know I left you time. speechless there. He did. Prime, <laughs> prime time Kirk Cousins. I was. I, I just had to think about that for a little bit. Yeah, you know, I I, I will say, you know, you, you look at this matchup. Um, Philadelphia, they didn't. They didn't look a hundred percent there last week, and it could, you know, it could be week one. Um, and you know, the Patriots had a had a chance to win that football game. They 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 hadn't turned it over early. Uh, they made they very well could have won that football game. The Eagles could have been zero and one. Um, you see, the thing is, is I, I you know you you look at Minnesota. They didn't play well last week, uh, and they lost. And Philadelphia did not play well, and they won. Well, it's who can play uh, better this week? I, you know, 
something tells me that Minnesota is going to make this. Uh, if they don't win it, it's going to come down to like the last drive where either uh, Philadelphia either has to win on the last drive or Philadelphia has to make a stand on the last drive and and prevent uh, Minnesota from scoring. There's there's just something that's telling me that this game is going to be super close. Minnesota is gonna is is going to be right in there because they've got some talent on that that roster and you know it, it's. You, you, if you're a team, you don't want to start 0-2. And, and I, I know it's not a death sentence, but 0-2 is not the, the best. You know, you, you look at your record after the first two weeks and you see 0-2. And, and you're like, oh, no. And so, you know, Philadelphia, I think it's going to be a team that's going to be in there at the end of the year. It's going to be a team competing for, you know, a Super Bowl berth like they were last year. But it's it's gonna you know it, it I think Minnesota's got something tonight. I, I think that you're not you're not to the point uh, where it, it's you know primetime Kirk Cousins is gonna be this the, the huge factor because you're still early in the season. If this was like a week fourteen primetime game, Kirk Cousins like oh three on, picks yeah three yeah. picks a fo- a fumble uh, you know it, it's it's not gonna be sacked twelve times or something. Um, uh, but I think I think Minnesota's got something tonight. I'm not, I'm not I don't know if they act, they end up winning the game, but like I said, I think it comes down to a last drive by either the Eagles having to score to win the game or they have to make a big stand to win the game. Well, and look, I mean. Again, Minnesota did move the ball last week. They just did not they, – they turned it over three or four times. They were going in before half to score, to break a tie, and the Bucks rookie safety Christian Izian uh, ripped the ball away from a Vikings receiver as he, was, as he was catching a touchdown pass. So that game could have gone differently. And by the way, a lot of them in the NFL can because a lot of them are one-possession games. But they moved the ball, and, and, and Justin Jefferson had a buck 50 or more last week and he's as good as they come as wide receivers it's still crazy to think and I, I told you this off air earlier this week i remember being on the show off the show talking to former co-host trevon reed and talking about who was better on lsu's receiving court Ju- justin jefferson or jamar chase and just how how awesome both those guys are and they continue to be awesome in the NFL. So I'm with you that Minnesota will score some. I'm with you that they will compete. Uh, I just think Philly at home, it's going to be going to be a lot. Uh, still celebrating a successful season last year. You do worry about teams that make Super Bowls the next year, if they're hungover or not. And, you know, they look pretty good for a half against New England. They just didn't close the game up to, to up to Philly standards. But I still think New England's defense had something to do with that. So uh, I, I still like Philadelphia too. Let's talk about some of the impressive week one performances. Uh, there were, and look, to some degree, everyone's a little impressive because either you won demonstratively or you won a game you didn't think that people would have you win. Uh, you even look at something like Las Vegas for winning a game. It's like, well, I just thought Las Vegas would stink this year. I assume that Denver would have some level uh, of competitiveness, and, and through one week it looks disgusting. Uh one of the more interesting results, Cleveland and Cincinnati. Cleveland wins 24-3. to Burrow under 100 yards. It's raining. It's nasty. Cleveland's kind of owned Cincinnati head-to-head. Uh, head excuse me. Cincinnati's obviously been more successful on the league-wide scale. But in the state of Ohio, Cleveland keeps whipping their butt. 
You make anything of that for Cincinnati or or maybe opposite? Do you think that's the start of something surprisingly good for Cleveland? You make anything of that game for Week One? There's, I mean, you, you can't take a lot away from Week One. Um, I know you do get three weeks of the preseason, so it's not like you're coming in fresh. It, it's not like you're, oh, this is Game One for everybody. No, everybody's played a little bit. I don't take too much away from it. I do, you know, we, we talked about in the previewing the NFL uh, a few weeks ago um, that Cleveland. You looked at that Cleveland team. They They've got a great roster. They've had a great roster for a couple years. I remember it was a few years ago that it was Super Bowl or bust coming into the year for. That was for the year after they made the playoffs. Yeah, with Baker. Yeah. And, and it was like Super Bowl or bust, and then they busted. Um, but you know, it, I think that they, you know, the, the fans around Cleveland, uh, they've they've learned their lesson to, to say, oh, Super Bowl or bust. And, and no, you got let's build this. Uh, you, you looked how they did last year. They were fine, um, it, and they had Deshaun Watson for half a year. And so you you, you look at this. I, I think a full off season with Deshaun Watson into into Cleveland. I, I think that you're going to see uh, you're, you're going to see him score a little bit more. You're going to see him be a, a, a team that challenges for that in a, uh, that AFC North. Um, but I, I I can't I don't think you could take much away from the Cincinnati performance. I think they're still a really good football team. Uh, Joe Burrow's still a top you know top ten top five quarterback in the league right now. Uh, you you're it's, it, it 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 was it, I don't you know I said it's not week one but it was or it, for everybody. But you know Joe Burrow battled some injuries in the in the preseason uh, and he he didn't get full reps in there for that that uh, that to lead into week one. So I think you're going to see them, you know, you're, you're going to see Cincinnati get back on track. I just think Cleveland, uh, they show that they're, what their roster can do. You know, Nick Chubb had over a hundred yards rushing, uh, uh, Moore had uh, almost 50 yards of receiving and it was just what three receptions, uh, for this past weekend. And so I think that, uh, I think you could see this is you, you saw this weekend, what, Cleveland can look like at, uh, at when they play really well, uh, and I think you saw what what uh, Cincinnati could look like if they don't play really well. But I think so more like more often than not this year, you're going to see Cincinnati te- uh, step up to the plate and play uh, play really good football, and they're they're going to be in it at the very end here. It, it's it's kind of like Philadelphia, where I, you know, you looked at them this past week, they didn't play their best, but the difference is is that Philadelphia won their game. Uh, the Patriots made a, a, f- a few more mistakes that that uh, helped Philadelphia. Cleveland didn't make those mistakes. They didn't make the big mistakes that that allowed Cincinnati to be, to be in the game. And so you you had to you know you, I think that this is a building block. You're like, all right, took our lump sweet one. We're coming out here. We're gonna we're gonna play better football down the stretch. I would say it's mildly concerning because it was like you said, it was raining, but it wasn't like a monsoon. It was just like a normal rain in September in Ohio. Like it, yeah, it made it a little bit messy, but like it was just. I don't know. It looked like they were trying to live by the pass, die by the pass, and Cleveland's DBs really stepped up to the plate. They're holding Joe Burrow to what ninety-four yards? Is that what you said? Uh, but yeah, that was that was a very surprising result because two things. I thought the Bengals would be really good, and I'm I'm not trying to overreact. It's just week one. They could go sixteen and one to, for all I know. But I was very impressed with Cleveland more than anything because I thought that they would come in fourth in that division. And as I said last week, it was nothing against Cleveland. I I knew that they were stacked. I just thought that uh, division was just one of the hardest, and if not the hardest, in the um, in the NFL. But, <clears throat> yeah, they really stepped up. They got a big divisional win. I was impressed with Cleveland. Uh, I was mildly concerned with uh, the Bengals. I would have liked to have seen some run game. And then uh, 
it was Monday they cut Lyle Collins, who was on the uh, PUP list. So I was that was another surprising move because he played 15 games for them last uh, last uh, season, and he was considered to be one of their better linemen. So that one was a little surprising, but maybe it was a cap move. Maybe he was really injured. But yeah, I, I'm really interested to see how Cincinnati will bounce back, and I'm I I would have to see who the Browns play, but I would like to know how they because that was a big win for Cleveland. I'd like to see how they follow up after a big win. Yeah, I think that with that, you've got to really stare at what happens this coming week uh, when you get the opportunity to see Cleveland play a team in Pittsburgh on Monday night that would pr- is probably more in their airspace. Like I would have thought that it would be tiered off to Cincinnati and Baltimore and then Pittsburgh and Cleveland. Uh, so if Cleveland can win that game, especially if they win it dem- demonstratively, then you would say something more about what Cleveland could be. Because, again, roster-wise, it's a good, solid roster. It's just can Deshaun Watson attain a level that helps them win instead of prevents them or actively hurts? Because Chubb's awesome. He's still awesome. And they've got a plenty good enough defense to be competent there. So that that part of it is is interesting to me. One other team I want to take a look at here from week one, and then we'll get to, uh, get to the end of our break and get to the sports call five at five to start the second hour, or excuse me, the, the third and final hour. Uh, Green Bay or Chicago, same kind of question to you. You, you, you. Do you have a ticket to Love Island yet? You, you, you feel – Yeah, you see what I did there? Uh, you, is, is Jesse Palmer there? Right. <laughs> you, you buying any stock in Jordan Love off of one week? Gosh, I don't know. I – I think that you see the thing is is I think Matt LaFleur is a good offensive coach and I think that he can get uh, good performances out of Jordan Love um, obviously they were confident enough in him to not you know try to bring Aaron Rodgers back not try to work you know it, it, I know the relationship got messy the last couple of years up in Green Bay between Rodgers and in Green Bay but you know if you're a if you're a team and you've got a star quarterback you make it work um, if you're not confident what you have behind them, you, you try your, your darndest to make it work. And, and uh, so I think that they, they like their stuff, you know, there, there's some, their stuff there that they like. I think this, this, uh, you know, this week, three touchdowns. I think that more speaks to what the bears are. I, I think that it, it the, the, the performance, I hope week, so on behalf of their week two opponent. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I, you, you, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are. Uh, I, I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers can win this weekend, um, but I, I think that right now it speaks to more where the where the Bears are. Uh, in you know, you you look at the you look at the NFC North. The Lions have gotten better. The the Vikings are still a good pro, uh, franchise. Um, the the Packers are, are still you know they're they're still a team that can can make some noise. And then there's the Bears, and it, you just don't hear a lot. You haven't heard a lot. You haven't you know there's there's not really you, you can't point to an A guy there. Um, it, it's just I, I think it, this past weekend I think the Packers are going to be fine this year. I think they're going to challenge for a wild card spot. I think that the division's either going to be Minnesota or Detroit. Uh, but I think the Packers are going to challenge for a wild card spot because I think Jordan Love's a capable quarterback. Uh, but I, I, I think that this this week one speaks more to what the the Bears are than what Jordan Love is is able to do. 
Uh, as, as a diehard Bear fan, that was infuriating yeah. to watch. Let me just say, I was actively frowning as Ryan was bringing it off. Yes, Brooks is absolutely right. This this is not the Bears team that we expected. They made some... I, I don't know. It just seems like... I, th- Jordan Love did what he's supposed to do. He did a really good job of getting the ball to Aaron Jones, who is an elite running back in this league, one of the more underrated ones. So I I think he's still a very good game manager, but I still think it's Detroit's division to lose. That'll do it for the second hour of the program. Coming up at hour number three to kick it off, we'll have a sports goal five at five, presented by Southeastern Land Group, five teams that really impressed from week one. We'll get into some more of the deep dive of the week two action coming up. We'll also get TP's thoughts on the Auburn and Samford game as this is his uh, day on the week of the show. So, uh, of course, we'll have a lot of that tomorrow, but want to get everyone's take on what they want to see out of Auburn on Saturday night. So with that, we close hour number two, but a lot more to come. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan Lavoy, T.P. Hammock, Brooks Childress with you here. On this Thursday edition of the program. Coming up this hour, we'll get a few thoughts on Auburn Sanford from TP as he departs us for the week and what he's looking for inside of Jordan Hare Stadium Saturday night. But first, we need to get a little bit more NFL in, including Sports Calls 5 at 5, and it's presented by Southeastern Land Group. John Harden and Brian Watts are your local land advisors with Southeastern Land Group. Land is always a sound financial investment, but it's also an investment in time with your family and friends, and Brian and John can help you find the perfect property for you. If you're looking to sell your land to get maximum exposure to potential buyers, your friends at Southeastern Land Group can also help you with that. Call John Harden at 334-524-2756 or call Brian Watts at 334-707-4273. All right, for the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group today. Again, we're looking at... Five big week one performances from teams in the NFL. We'll start off with number one. And that was the Dallas Cowboys who rocked the world of the New York Giants on national television Sunday night. 40 to nothing is how bad the Cowboys demolished the Giants. And so that was the beginning of a rough week of football for New York fans, to say the least. I know the Jets ended up winning, but we all know 
They might have lost the war Monday night, but uh, the Cowboys came in decisive in week one. Number two. How about the very first game of the year? The Detroit Lions defeating the Kansas City Chiefs 21-20. to As it turns out, Patrick Mahomes cannot catch the ball himself. And uh, the receivers for Kansas City were certainly lacking and even actively helping Detroit at times. But nevertheless, the Lions get a big road victory. A game that, again, I, I didn't even know if they'd hang all the way around for. So a very good feather in the cap to start the year for Dan Campbell's Detroit Lions. Number three. How about the San Francisco 49ers who had absolutely no problem with the Pittsburgh Steelers in week one? The Steelers were a trendy pick in preseason, maybe bad above expectations. Maybe Kenny Pickett would have a uh, improved season this year. And, of course, the respect for Mike Tomlin and the really good coach he is. But... Week one was none of that. San Francisco all the time there. Pretty good start for Brock Purdy and the 49ers. No problems in week one. Number four. We talked a little bit about this one already. Cleveland Browns with another uh, impressive state of Ohio victory against Cincinnati in in Cleveland, of course. And again, holding Joe Burrow to less than 100 passing yards. Impressive stuff from the Browns the first time out. Number five. And not talked about them yet, the Miami Dolphins who – had a uh, exhilarating contest with the Los Angeles Chargers. Tua Tagovailoa over 400 passing yards. Tyree Kill over 200 receiving yards. Uh, even threw a fade to Tyree Kill, which is, would not have been a fade candidate in my mind, but still caught it for a touchdown. And the Dolphins with a very high-scoring, high-octane victory over the Los Angeles Chargers. Let's look at some of the games upcoming this week, gentlemen, uh, in the NFL Again, we've already looked at Minnesota and Philadelphia for tonight as the Thursday night game. Some of the other matchups in the league, of course, uh, you can hear every Atlanta Falcons game right here on Tiger 95.9. They've got the Green Bay Packers uh, at noon. You've got a game in Buffalo versus the Raiders and Bills where one team's 1-0, one's 0-1, and you would have thought it'd be the Bills maybe 1-0 and the Raiders 0-1, but that's not the case. Baltimore and Cincinnati is an interesting one, already important AFC North battle. Cincinnati, if they lose, it goes to 0-2 in that division, which could factor in later. Detroit versus Seattle. Uh, Seattle with a disappointing Week 1 performance against the Rams. Indianapolis and Houston in a uh, – Top five pick battle there between Anthony Richardson, Bryce, or excuse me, uh, Anthony Richardson and CJ Stroud. Kansas City and Jacksonville. Jacksonville, can they get the big on the mat victory? You feel like Detroit and Jacksonville might be on similar paths. Yes, Jacksonville already made the playoffs last year, but teams that have had a lot of struggles in their franchise's history. Of course, Jacksonville less of a history than Detroit, but uh, see if Jacksonville can also uh, upset the Apple car right there with Kansas City. You got Tampa Bay and Chicago Bucks trying to get the 2-0 after beating Minnesota on the road. Justin Fields trying to re- recalibrate after a tough one against the Green Bay Packers. Tennessee and the Chargers. Tennessee rough Ryan Tannehill week one. Does that get any better at home in week two against a, a Chargers offense that can certainly score? How will they defend? Hopefully if you're a Chargers fan, they're not letting Ryan Tannehill go up and down the field the way Tua did, but we shall see. Giants and Cardinals. Cardinals are not good. Giants are in need of a anything positive after week one. 49ers and Rams, two 1-0 teams out west. Still not sure about L.A., but certainly San Francisco fit the bill in week one. Jets and Cowboys got a lot less entertaining. It's going to be very tough for that Jets O-line to 
keep Dallas off of Zach Wilson. I think uh, the Jets might need to have a backup in mind for that one, too. It's going to be a lot of hard hitting in that one. Washington and Denver. Washington, not impressive in week one, but got the W against uh, Arizona. Uh, last second or last quarter, Sam Howell run was the difference there. Denver did not look great in week one against Las Vegas. Still a lot of kinks to work out with Sean Payton and Russell Wilson. Patriots-Dolphins is the Sunday night game. I just ended up reading this whole slate, and I apologize for that. I wasn't planning on this. Patriots and Dolphins uh, with the Sunday night game. Going to be interesting in the AFC East. Not a suddenly more open AFC East. I still think all teams are still baseline pretty good. Uh, but certainly with the Jets now more uncertain, this game becomes a little bit more important. And then the Monday night offerings for you, there are two. You got 615 Saints and Panthers in the NFC South. Panthers were running effectively on Atlanta, but just kept turning the ball over on, on Sunday. And then Atlanta was able to pull away late. New Orleans... Again, sloppy, weird, ugly-looking game against Tennessee. But, again, Tannehill was actively playing for New Orleans, it felt like. So that certainly helped out. And then Cleveland-Pittsburgh game we mentioned a little bit in the other hour. Uh, interesting game to see if Cleveland can get off to a 2-0 start and start to be a factor in the AFC North. So that's the entire slate. Guys, pick and choose. I guess I offered you the full menu. Appetizers, entrees, desserts. You pick and choose from that group what games interest you the most this weekend. Uh, well, I'll start things off with uh, I'm, I'll I'll go with the 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 hometown team that we carry here on uh, Tiger ninety five point nine. The Atlanta Falcons and Green Bay Packers both one and zero. Atlanta's only a point and a half favorite at home. That that's the I think that's the smallest line of the weekend. Uh, and so it's uh, you, you know if this was in Green Bay, it'd be flipped. Uh, honestly, it'd probably be flipped if you were on a neutral site too. It, Green Bay would probably be favored on a neutral site. If this was uh, somehow the Super Bowl, uh, that I guess. Uh, but you know, the the thing is, is I I want to see if Desmond Ritter can bounce back this week because there was so much hype for him going into this year. Not you know, obviously not like oh he's going to be this generational quarterback. But uh, you know, a lot of Atlanta uh, folks were very excited about him taking the reins uh, this year full time. Didn't look great in week one. I want to see if he can bounce back. Also want to really see if Jordan Love can continue to do what he did last week. Like I said a little bit earlier when we were talking about that uh, Packers-Bears, I think he's a good quarterback. Obviously, uh, Green Bay sees something in him uh, to to let them be like, all right, we can move off of Aaron Rodgers. Uh, but, you know, that that's, the, that's I think, the, how each quarterback uh, performs in week two uh, after their respective performances in week one is going to tell a lot about how their seasons are going to go. Uh, elsewhere, uh, I'm really interested in that Chiefs-Jaguars game because if you remember last year, the Chiefs uh, knocked out the Jaguars in the playoffs, um, and it was a very close game, a, bit, uh, an, uh, a, a very highly contested game. Chiefs are actually a three-and-a-half-point favorite on the road in this one. And so if it can't, if the Chiefs start out 0-2, what does that say? Can, uh, is, is something going wrong in, in Kansas City? Uh, are they going to have to have a, a meeting, a, you know, a, a, a come-to-Jesus come to meeting about with the wide receivers? Uh, can the Jaguars continue their big performance? Because we talked about, uh, you know, you look at how they did last week. Trevor Lawrence uh, did well. He, he had one interception, but still threw two touchdown passes. Travis Etienne was really good. Tank Bigsby uh, recovered from a mistake and, and was uh, was really good last week. And then we talked about it. Calvin Ridley, who was a really good wide receiver at Atlanta, got suspended or well, got hurt and then got suspended. Uh, his first game last week, he had a cool eight 
receptions, 101 yards, and a touchdown in his, uh, his uh, regular season debut for the Jaguars. So that's an offense that Doug Peterson, we know he can he can concoct some good offenses, uh, and it looks like he's already starting uh, year two uh, at Jacksonville on the right foot. So that's going to be a really interesting game. Uh, and then, like, uh, you know, that, that Sunday night game, uh, are you, I'm going to be biased here because picking it because the Patriots are involved, so I'm, obviously I'm interested in it. But can Tua re- replicate that performance from last week? Had a really good performance against uh, against uh, the, the Chargers, going up against a really good defense this week. Can Mac Jones and the, the Patriots offense do what they did in the second half the whole game? Can they can they put it together for the whole game uh, and not have those mistakes early that, that kind of cost them that, that, that football game? And then a team that I'm really looking at to bounce back is I want to see how the Giants do because the Cardinals are not a uh, are not expected to be a good football team this year. You got Josh Dobbs starting for you right now. Uh, they're they're a team that you know they're 0 and 1 for a reason. And the the Giants were a team that uh, some people said oh they can make some noise in the NFC East this year. And they came out and they laid a big fat egg and a, a literal egg by putting up zero points in that scoreboard. So how does Daniel Jones and that offense uh, bounce back? Because you know uh, that, that their head coach uh, is a is a really good offensive genius. He's been at uh, was at at, uh, at Buffalo for a few years, made the, the transition over to the head coach of the Giants, and so his second year in, in uh, New York didn't get off to the best starts. Can they rebound? And honestly, if you're the Giants, you want to go out and you want to do to the Cardinals what Dallas did to you last week to kind of say, all right, fine, guys, we're fine. It was week one, we're fine. So you covered a lot of games there. Uh, <laughs> I didn't take all of them. You didn't take all of them. And you can take some crossover, yeah. too, if you all want. All right, yeah. very good. But you are right about that Giants game. Historically speaking, if teams get boat raced in week one, historically they do really well in week two. And I do believe in Brian Dayball. Whenever the Bears fired Matt Nagy, thankfully, uh, I wanted Brian Dayball to be the next head coach of the Bears, and they didn't go that way. And that made me mad. And he's done a really good job with the Giants. I think they're going to do really well against the Cardinals. I think that could be, like you said, like what happened to them last week. That could be a situation right there. Um, I'm really interested to see the Dolphins Patriots. I want to see how they uh, the Dolphins will play after a high-level game like that, a high-energy, high-emotional high, and you go to Foxborough, which is – not an easy place to play for anyone. doesn't matter how bad they may be or how down they may be. That's a really tough place to play. So I'm interested to see how Bill Belichick will do against that high-powered offense and see if they can make them stall out. But <clears throat> And then, like you mentioned, the Jaguars-Chiefs. I Could the Chiefs get off to an 0-2 start? Wouldn't that be strange? That'd be, that'd be very, very intriguing. But... Correct me if I'm wrong. I know that Chris Jones resigned, so I imagine he's going to be playing for that. So I imagine he will definitely help out on the defense. But it wasn't really the defense last week. It was more the offense. So if they have a repeat performance from their wide receivers, cough, cough, Kadarius, Tony, then you could see a situation where they could easily drop to the Jaguars because I think the Jaguars are better than the Lions. And I think the Lions are really good, but I'm really high on this Jaguars team. And I would say the Seahawks-Lions, because like we just mentioned earlier, uh, the Lions are coming off of a super high, big win over the Super Bowl champions, and now you get to host Seattle, who's coming off a tough loss that they didn't really expect to lose 
a lot of people thought they'd win against um, the Rams. So that one's going to be really interesting to see how the, um, the Seahawks bounce back and how the Lions are going to play after an emotional high beating the Super Bowl champions on a Thursday night whenever everyone's watching you with a big emotional victory. So those are the four games that I'm really interested to see how to, how they play out. So for me, I think that it starts with Baltimore and Cincinnati because these two quarterbacks got paid in the offseason. And, of course, Joe Burrow was not even close to the amount of uh, attention that Lamar Jackson's saga was because there was real contract issues there and would he end up on another team and and that sort of thing. But these are the type of games that highest-paid quarterbacks need to play well in. And you saw a little bit underwhelming of a performance for Baltimore last week, but it was fine. You were playing Houston. You could have played – the ghost of RG3 <laughs> could have probably still led you to a win against Houston. And then with Burrow, obviously it was awful – but a lot of it to do with rain and opponent. I mean, I still value Burrow in the top three in the quarterback pantheon of the NFL, so I'm not worried about him. But, you know, these are big games in your division that help settle tiebreakers later on, and I certainly anticipate both these teams to be vying for playoff spots. And Cincinnati's already in the hole one because of losing to Cleveland. So I'm interested a lot in that game. Uh other games, you know, I agree certainly with KC and Jacksonville game. I think everyone needs to watch a little bit of that, monitor the continued rise of Trevor Lawrence, but also, you know, how does Kansas City function with that wide receiver core in week two? What adjustments do they make in their game planning and with what Mahomes is doing and that sort of thing? So, so of course, that's going to be interesting. I really hate – I'm probably going to say this every single game this year, or almost every single game. I really hate that we don't have Rodgers for a Rodgers versus Dallas's defense uh, game because that would be the type of game – that last year, and maybe, and maybe this year too, because I still think the Jets will be really good defense. You're looking at a slugfest. You're, you're looking, you're trying to figure out how te- the teams are going to score. Honestly, I know Dallas's offense is, is generally pretty good, but I have a feeling Dallas's offense with McCarthy calling plays, with Ceedee Lamb being really the 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 main weapon now, no Ezekiel Elliott. There's kind of a little bit more of a diminished skill position group. I'm I'm kind of sniffing an average offense out of Dallas this year. Uh, so with that in mind, that's going to be an incredibly low-scoring game and one that if Rodgers was in, I, I wonder how it would go differently. I agree with you guys on the Miami-New England because, again, I think I think that division and the AFC North, both those divisions, there's no obviously bad team to me. So that's why the division matchups feel so much more consequential because I feel like these teams will go out when they play other teams from other divisions and, and be, in general, successful, I think they'll all go 500 or better outside of their division. So what do they do in their division? New England might, because uh, what well, you got six divisional games out of 17. New England might go six and five outside of their division. Maybe seven and four. What do they do in these six? Same thing for Miami. They just got a nice feather in the cap to go beat the Chargers, a very talented football team uh, on the road. Now, granted, you know, LA not the beacon of, of home field advantage, but it's also not being actively playing in front of your crowd. But they go get a nice win outside of their division. How they do in the division. So games like Miami and New England are, are very important. And again, I, I mentioned this one too in the in the rundown. I'll even look at Tennessee and the Chargers because these two teams are 0 and 1. 
These two teams, I think, are playoff-able teams for different reasons. I think Tennessee is able to make playoffs because I still have a little bit of wondering faith in Jacksonville. I'm not entirely sure that's a known commodity yet, and I certainly don't think Indianapolis and Houston are going anywhere. So I still think Tennessee has an opportunity if, if Jacksonville is not taking that next step. And then with the Chargers, how long are we talking about Brandon Staley for? How long are we going to talk about them losing games that they felt like they were going to win? It felt like they were going to win the Miami game. Uh, at opportunity stretch, the lead didn't. And then Tua leads them back, scores a touchdown, then they don't score. They, they get stopped in the last drive. Miami makes a couple couple of, of quarterback hurries, quarterback pressures on Herbert, and end the game that way. When when After they missed the PAT, all the Chargers had to do, which all they did all day, was just get in field goal range. And you, and you win the game with a, with a kick. And we know how, how solid NFL kickers usually tend to be. It's completely different in college. So I'm looking out for that Chargers-Titans game because the loser of that game is going to feel really down the dumps at 0-2. They're going to feel like they missed opportunities. Tennessee missed an opportunity against New Orleans. And the Chargers missed an opportunity against Miami. And both those teams absolutely intend to try to make the playoffs this year. So I think that one's uh, one kind of lying under the radar. Ultimately, I just think there's a lot of great matchups, honestly, and, and not too many snoozers this early in the NFL season. We're going to take our next time out of the show. When we come back, we'll give a few thoughts on Auburn and Sanford coming up on Saturday, especially with TP being here so we'll get his thoughts and a little bit of auburn sanford for you when we come back you're listening to the thursday edition of sports call on tiger 334-887-3401. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at Sports Call AU. Like us on Facebook at Sports Call AU. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, T.P. Hammock with you here on this Thursday edition of the program. Again, haven't really mentioned it, but uh, as you just heard from the AO Tourism Minute, that uh, it's homecoming week for the Tigers. And so it's early. I know. You're making that face. It's early. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's – I don't know. You, you try to avoid conference play if you're if you're really – you know, intentional about making it a game you know you'll win. Obviously, there's usually conference games Auburn expects the wins be beyond, but, you know, transition year, I don't know. I, I, it's To me, I, I'm getting out of the standpoint of being scheduled for homecoming is disrespectful. That feels more like a high school concept where it is more of a disrespect thing, but I don't know because I know there's – we mentioned on the show Vandy scheduled Auburn for homecoming and then we looked at the schedule and was like, oh, it kind of makes sense. And Anyway, but it is homecoming weekend. We also want to remind you that uh, we at Tiger Communications on FM Talk 93.9 on Saturdays 
have the college football game of the week. This week we've got LSU taking on Mississippi State. So you can catch that action Saturday morning on FM Talk 93.9. All right, so when we look at Auburn and Sanford, again, it's one of those that it's it's honestly it's tough to deep dive about. It is because you can see the most beautiful things happen, dominance on both sides of the ball, and I'm sorry, but it's just not going to mean much to me as it pertains to Texas A&M or Georgia in the coming weeks. It's just not. And I would even tell you that on the flip side of things, as long as nothing is really wrong, as long as it's not like 27 to 20 or 56 to 49, as long as it's not really wrong, there's really not much on the negative side of things that I'm going to take into much account for Texas A&M the following week either. First off, do you guys agree or disagree? Is there something in particular that you feel would translate towards Texas A&M, or is it just, eh, it's a game on your schedule. You need to show up, do your part, but I'm not going to read into it either way. I I always feel like there's something you can gain from playing a football game. Maybe it's a new – maybe you see something from a young guy that uh, you may be able to – put him into some first-team packages. But I always feel like there's something positive to gain, and maybe maybe it's something like that. Maybe you get um, maybe you get your quarterback more comfortable in his, um, in his progressions, and maybe you get your wide receivers to be feeling more, more chemistry with the quarterback because that's a big deal. So, yeah, I think there are always some positive uh, takeaways. And while they may not be – the biggest takeaways for that game next week at uh, at College Station, uh, I think they are still nevertheless important. Yeah, and and then you you know you get into the second half of those games and you get your your second and third string stringers at, at least the plan would be to get your second and third stringers some game reps and that's always invaluable. You get some game reps in there and especially with the it's not new anymore, but the the quote unquote new uh, red shirt rule where you can get in and you can play uh, a few games and not ha- or you and not burn your red shirt and so that way you can get it you know you can get some guys some some game reps see what you got and then say hey we want to red shirt this guy and and you know that you're very more confident other you know used to when when it was hey you you play in a game you're done you you can't be a, you can't red shirt you could you didn't really know uh what you had at, at all times with some of these with some players but um I, I think that it's it it there's like tp was saying there's some good things you could take away you could work on some things you can work on yourself a little bit uh and and then get some game reps for for some of the younger guys too we do have the opportunity to go back to the orthopedic clinic phone line here at 334-887-3401 locally toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine next up anthony from auburn anthony is with us anthony how are you this afternoon doing good and you guys doing well you know uh those sanford bulldogs probably won't be much of a matchup but uh you know give guys opportunity you know if you're having trouble making reads or weren't sure about certain plays or what to do uh, this is a perfect game to uh, clean up those kind of things. I mean, if you're undisciplined and jumping offside and penalties, then uh, maybe this is a time uh, to you get a chance to correct those things, stance, alignment, technique, and all those kind of things. You can get those things and, you know, break up a nice little sweat or whatnot and maybe build a little confidence there. So uh, it ain't all bad. Sure. I mean, I, I think that the procedural stuff, I mean, is stuff that you're always trying to work on and, 
I know Hugh Freeze said on Monday that there was still about 10 pre-snap misalignments on defense, and he says usually you don't get to zero, but you still want it in single digits. So they can still correct some alignment errors defensively, offensively, and make sure some of that is sound. But just in terms of what we saw that were problems from Auburn against Cal, you know, it's it's going to be hard to determine stuff like if the Robbie Ashford package is actually uh, going to work or not, or if Peyton Thorne's gaining a lot of confidence in the passing game. I think there's certain levels to it. I think you still want those guys to play well, uh, but it's just a part of the big picture-wise, it's, it, it's hard to take a lot of that stuff. Well, that's true, because they're not going to be able to challenge you like that. I mean, you know, that's just what it is, but you got to play this game and get ready for AM. I mean, a week like this is a, is a perfect week to uh, be put in really the AM package, uh, excuse me, Texas AM package, if, if you will. I mean, you know, uh, I can recall uh, seeing Barry Switzer doing an interview back in the day, and uh, I think they had a little cream puff that week or whatnot. I was going to play uh, uh, Nebraska the next week or whatever, Thanksgiving, and uh, they spent that week putting in the package for that and uh, didn't, didn't really worry about the lesser, that lesser opponent because they knew they was going to uh, run 80 points on them or whatnot. So, you know, you, you could do stuff like that, too. And, and it wouldn't really hurt because uh, uh, Tampa Bulldogs, I mean, they're not going to challenge anybody. Sure. Would you? So, in your opinion, would you rather uh, would you rather staffs do stuff like that where they actually do show a couple of intricate things, seeing if they'll kind of work against a lesser opponent, or would you rather those uh, those those coaches, those teams, shelve them until a, a big game and and make the element of surprise kind of the the way the play might work? Well, you know, I say that what I was saying is I would spend this week working on A and M putting some things in, but I would not show it this week against the Bulldogs. There's no need of doing that. Sure. There's no need of, uh, uh, you know, showing your hand with a team that, you know, you could put your third. Be honest with you, I, I think Auburn could start their third string and let them play the whole game and still win, not be in jeopardy of losing this game at all. But, uh, you could, you know, you could put uh, pretty much at least half of your A&M package in, a good percentage of it, and then figure out what other plays you want to run uh, for this game. I mean, you can keep it very uh, simple and just, uh, you know, basic class plays and basic run plays and still win this game. Sure. You're talking about the more practice element. I got you. I got you. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, uh, yeah, so as far as the practice type situation, and, and be working on that because, I mean, everybody's going to be clicking on all cylinders next week. You know, uh, where are the game going to be at next week? Going to be here or out on the road? Uh, it will be in College Station, so at A&M. Oh, wow. You know, I tell you, I, I uh, stayed up and watched the uh, Auburn-California game, but I hope they don't never play uh, uh, that late again. I hope they, if they go back on the West Coast or anybody that I want to see out there on the West Coast, that'd be an earlier game, man. I tell you, it's almost 1 o'clock before I uh, went to bed, and I tell you, that's just too late. <laughs> yeah, I, I think uh, there's one more of those. I think it's about 2026 or 2027. Auburn's at UCLA, so uh, there's uh, with that that could be a day game. We, I mean, there's no way to know this far out, but uh, it is yeah. at least possible that could be a late one too. Is Cal gonna make the return trip next year, or that just hits? They will. It's a it's a home and home. Oh, that's gonna be something to see next year because uh, you know that was a cl- very close game. Uh, they had opportunity to win at times, but I knew when that running back got hurt, they bounced his head up off the ground. That uh, that game was probably going to be over with at that point because he just wasn't going to be able to move the ball like he needed to. And they kept on missing all those field goals, you know. Yeah, I mean the field goals were a big story of it. I mean they had a lot of short fields, and I uh, got to give Auburn credit for for keeping them out of the end zone those possessions. But certainly they had some makeable field goals they didn't make, and that Jay Knott injury, you know, he I think he's at twenty carries, seventy something yards, so. Uh, he was better than the second back they had, but but again, Auburn had had lassoed him pretty successfully too. 
Well, the game was better than I thought it would be. I thought Auburn would really go out there and hammer them, but uh, it didn't really turn out that way. But it was still entertaining. I enjoyed it. But what do you guys thought about that Alabama-Texas game? I watched that uh, first, and I tell you, I, it just made me sick to my stomach. Well, I mean, Anthony, you you told us that you thought Bama would lose a couple times this year. So, I mean, you, yeah, I did. so far you're, you're on it, but we'll, we'll see if it happens again. But I, I think that with that game, what we just saw is that Milrow has not developed as a passer. You know, he makes a couple of tremendous throws, but the, the inconsistencies there, it's one thing, everyone's going to have a few bad plays, but his bad plays were really bad plays. They were turnovers, they were sacks on third down and not processing the defense quick enough. And so I think that offensively, you know, that, that that is something where if teams can get pressure there, there's no proof that Miller is going to stop making those quick, uh, unforced errors. And so that that's a concern. And then I think overall, just with the team, what we've seen the last two years now is penalties. I think it was 10 penalties, 90 yards for Alabama, which is just not something they used to do whatsoever. So I, I think that's something to, to monitor. I, I think Texas's side of things, Ewers was great. I mean, he kind of played like he did in the first quarter before he got hurt last year. And, uh, I mean, Texas, I, I don't <laughs> – the phrase Texas is back, you know, I don't know if I want to go there just because I'll, I'll never fully believe it. But they certainly look really good, and, and they have a great pathway to the playoff this year. Well, they certainly had a game plan, and I played Alabama. And, uh, you know, they didn't make as many mistakes as Alabama did. And it looked like they just wanted it more and, and got after it. But, you know, I, I tell you uh, – I think a decision is going to be made at that quarterback position. I, I clearly, you know, I told y'all that I thought all along that Miro was not the uh, guy to be a quarterback. I mean, he's a big guy, big talent, but I think he'd be better serve the team as a, as a running back. He'd get him in that running back rotation. I think he'd get more out of him that way and then see what the other two guys at that quarterback position do. But like I was telling a coworker, I just couldn't believe that out of all programs in the world that Alabama would be in a position where they really don't have a quarterback. Just, <laughs> you know, with all they recruit, sure. Now, the good news for Alabama is that they do have the number two prospect in next year's class. But yeah, this year, uh, you know, they obviously they obviously need it, had a need there because they went out and, and got Buckner from Notre Dame so late in the process. But again, I had my doubts about him too. Maybe Ty Simpson would be the way to go. I, I'm I'm really not sure. But but clearly, if Milrow is, is going to throw the ball like that. You've got to come up with something else, and I would also tell you too. I know Alabama's never really done much of this, but if if you're if for whatever reason the other two guys are just that incompetent, you need to look at more quarterback design runs for Milrow because he's a, a a tremendous athlete. And uh, again, I I would I would be stunned if if those guys behind him couldn't do anything passing. But again, we know Buckner was not very good at Notre Dame, so. Uh, it's it's a conundrum there, but I would expect that the, if Milrow continues on his starter, they're going to get him a little bit more involved in the QB run game. And you know, well, they could do that, but after a while, everybody knows that's coming your way. So, I mean, you know, how much you going to get on that, but we'll see. But, you know, uh, and another thing, you know, in years past when Satan's winning national titles, he always had a bell cow running back, and sometimes two or three that he could, you know, Lacey and that crew and all those guys, it just seemed like you just, you know, let one run a little bit and pull that one out and throw another one just as big and, and physical and, and just keep on pounding and pounding and pounding. But they don't seem to have that this time around. Yeah, I mean, I, they certainly, and the thing is, is I, I think they want to run the ball more, too. I, I understand how much they've opened it up the last few years because they had all those great quarterbacks and receiver combos and that sort of thing. Uh, but the the receiver department is fine, but it's not it's not the level it had been. And obviously, we've talked about Milrose passing. So, right. you, when you look at Jace McClellan or Roydell Williams, some of those those backs, and 
I, look, there's all a certain level of talent, but you're right. They're not they're not showing us anything like the the. I mean, they went for six or seven straight years between Ingram and Richardson and Lacey and and uh, Yeldon and and Henry. I mean, it went on and on. So I don't think that there's a back right there, uh, at least from what we've seen, that that rivals any of those guys. You know, I'm gonna tell you another thing that I noticed. Uh, Saban didn't seem to be as intense as he. Once have been in the past, you know, when they make mistakes or something will go away or some kind of miscue, he just didn't seem to get, to get all upset and, and all clustered in the mind like they usually do and start screaming and shouting and carrying on. It seems like it didn't get that like that like it usually be. Y'all guys notice? Did y'all notice that? <laughs> I, I could make the joke he's getting soft at his older age. But, no, I, I think that – I, I noticed I noticed it to some degree. I also saw after the, the, the post-game press conference that he walked off and gave kind of like a weird thank you to the media and, and, and all that stuff. I certainly think it's different, and a lot of people are parlaying that into this might be it for him. I think that it's not this year. I do think it's soon. I mean, he's old. He's not getting younger. Uh, but I, I, I would caution that this might not be it. He went on the McAfee shows today, said he, he thought it was humorous that people thought that he was about to retire and that sort of thing. So, again, it, the end is near. I mean, it's not it's not like it's 12 years off, but I, I'm not right. sure it's yet this year. But you're right. I mean, there is some sort of demeanor change that is starting to occur, and it could be because of age. It could be because retirement's on the horizon. But, yeah, I, I do get the sense that there's – a little, little less, pu- little less punishment being dished out. You know, some people feel like the dynasty or, or Cinderella stories is pretty much over. I mean, and it could be. I don't know. It's, it's still early in the season. You know, you never know how the rest of the season is going to turn out. But, but like I say, I didn't think they'd make the playoffs this year. I, I just don't. Uh, especially with Miro at quarterback and that offensive line ain't, ain't as big and physical as it once have been and powerful. They just don't appear to be like that. Uh, you know, years past and. I don't know. They just seem like they don't have a defense either, line or nothing like they have once had. They just dominate and whoop people. There ain't, no, ain't no manhandling or nothing going on, uh, you know, like it used to be. So I, I don't know. We'll just wait and see what the season produces. But I, I don't think it'd be no playoff run, like I said. I'm going to tell you as far as playoffs, I'm going to go ahead and put Georgia back because they're defending uh, champion. And I'm going to say Texas. Based on what Texas did the other night, they continue to play well. And everything, I don't see no reason why they wouldn't be able to win their conference and go on uh, to the playoffs. So I would say Georgia and Texas, and then we'll wait and see how the other two teams shake out. Yeah, no, again, like I said, I, uh, I, I'm still a little nervous with Texas because it just gets so dramatic with them sometimes. But uh, when you look at the Big 12, really only Kansas State and, and, and maybe Oklahoma seem like competent enough team so I mean I, I think it's Texas's to lose and I think that because they get the big win over Bama they can even probably lose once and, and still be okay and still right. still make the playoff with the brand they are and, and that sort of thing so I, I think it's looking really good for them and I think that everyone sees a, a healthy Quinn Ewers as a, as a tremendous quarterback so I, I do not think that that's a, uh, a bad take at all there I think they've got an excellent chance at it. Now this week conference, what's the big conference game this week on the slate? What teams are I, I the big you, game, the big marquee game? I tell you what, Anthony, there's really not marquee games oh, this not. week. There's there's no oh. top twenty five versus top twenty five games, and uh, oh lord. I, I mean, if you're talking SEC, I think the most appealing matchups are LSU at Mississippi State. Uh, oh. You got Missouri taking on like number sixteen Kansas State. So again, that's the the most one of the more competent Big Twelve teams. And then uh, you've got like Arkansas, BYU, Ole Miss, Georgia Tech. So again, you've got some Power Five matchups, but yet nothing marquee about those. 
Well, how about those Duke uh, Blue Devils? Are y'all, who they playing? Uh, they've got Northwestern, I want to say, or, or someone like that. They don't have a big game. They, their next big game, they got Notre Dame, I believe, in a couple weeks, but but not oh, yet. Oh, wow. If they take them in a couple weeks, who knows what they might do this year then? Yeah, no, they, they've certainly got an opportunity. That Clemson game opened up a, a world of opportunity Duke's not normally had. Well, guys, I appreciate it. I'm going to go ahead and clock in. i got to go to work, and I'll talk to you guys later. Sounds good. Appreciate the phone call, right. Anthony. That is Anthony from Auburn joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Appreciate Anthony there uh, for talking to us right before he uh, he clocks in. But just a couple minutes left in the show today. Uh, again, I uh, want to throw it back to UTP. Final thoughts here for you of the week on, on Auburn and Sanford. And I don't know, what's the most important? Uh, we, we said take or leave some things translating to, to week's beyond this week but but what's the most important thing that you want to see this week i just want to see that offense look a little bit better than it did last week i think that's everyone's thought but i just want to see it look more fluid it looked really clunky and kind of just out of whack last week i don't know what they expected cal to do you know justin wilcox is a defensive centric coach i don't know if auburn thought they would just roll their helmets out there and let them win but yeah i just want to see that offense look a lot better want to see more of um fair weather i want to see him in that uh get a little bit more action because whenever they threw it to him last week, he was really fun to watch. But I think it will be uh, an easy win for Auburn. I'm going with 56-14. to 14. I'm only giving Sanford that 14 because I think they'll get a touchdown, maybe two on the second and third team, and everyone will go home happy with a victory. Yeah, sounds like a plan. Uh, again, I keep going back to uh, their their quarterback went to my high school at Briarwood uh, up in Birmingham and uh, – He's been th- chucking around a little bit. Through, th- I know they only scored seven points. I think against Western Carolina, but he threw for three hundred yards. And uh, every well, I had came back to my attention. No, this will not happen. Not speaking this in existence won't happen. But I had totally forgotten in Dan Mullins last year. Oh yeah, that, that was like a seventy to fifty game, and that they had were had the lead at half and. Again, that's not what will happen here, but... One of the first times that you would ever see a coach, a team want to get... A fan base want to fire a coach after a win. So. Yeah, I mean, it was it was bad. Final minute or two of the program today. Time for a nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide, presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Brooks, what do we have? Well, there's a a hodgepodge of different stuff on tonight, so we'll start you off with a movie pick. 8 o'clock, BBC America. Field of Dreams is on tonight. Not a commons pick, but it's a really good pick on the uh, the Nightly TV Guide tonight. Uh, Elsewhere around the sports world... Uh, we'll take a start in the Major League Baseball world tonight. No Braves baseball, but 6 o'clock on Fox, you can watch a big battle in the AL East. No, it's not the Yankees and the Red Sox. It is the Rays and the Orioles. What are kind of thing have you been smoking? That's right. What we would have said before the year. And so check out the Rays and Orioles tonight uh, on Fox, 6 o'clock. College football action tonight, 6.30 on ESPN. Navy visits Memphis in the uh, kickoff of the American Conference season. Also on the ACC Network, number 22 Miami hosts Bethune-Cookman. A little Florida rivalry action there with the air quotes uh, around it, but uh, some college football action for you tonight. Racing action for you from Bristol, 8 o'clock on FS1. The NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series, UNOH Uno? Uno? 
200. I'll, sure. In the round of eight uh, from Bristol, Tennessee. That's at 8 o'clock. Then, of course, later tonight, 8 o'clock on ESPNU. We've got some women's college soccer. TCU visits number one in the country, BYU, uh, for some big soccer action out west. And then uh, the Auburn volleyball team, number 24 in the country, moved up a spot this past week. They open play at the Alabama tournament uh, down in Mobile against South Alabama, 6 o'clock on ESPN+. Plus, and that is Look at Your Nightly TV Guide brought to you by our friends at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Thank you very much for that, Brooks. And I, I don't know how much we'll see you. We'll probably see you for a few minutes on the show tomorrow before you head out to Tallahassee. But thank you for being here today, and we'll see you again briefly tomorrow. See ya. TP, thank you for being here this afternoon as well. Thanks for helping out uh, also with the coach show last night. Hope you have a great rest of your week, sir, and we'll see you again next week. Thank you as always. That will do it for the show today. Again, we want to thank Chandler Smith of the NASCAR Xfinity Series for joining us in the first hour of the program. And as always, want to thank all those that tuned in and called in. For Brooks Childress and T.P. Hammock, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Thursday night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.